Michael Tidwell and Michael B. Casey. Block time. Love that intro. So, uh, it's block time. And this is Michael Tidwell. And this is Michael B. Casey. And this is Chris Kleeschult. And it hurts my feelings because on our last podcast, I specifically asked Mike in Space to uh, make us a new intro song. And he never even commented on that at so all. So Mike in Space doesn't call. He doesn't write. He's big time now. <laughs> um, With Bitcoin car talk. Yeah, Bitcoin car talk. Yeah, so, so uh, he, he didn't make us a new intro. So I, I would just, I, want, I just want to put something out there for anyone who listens to this. If you make us a new intro to include Chris, we will just play it. We'll just it we'll just use it. Be careful what you ask for. If it's somewhat I mean <laughs> if it's like completely just inappropriate and bad, maybe we won't. I don't know. Like Well, then we especially will. <laughs> then, we, right? then we will play it. Yeah. Okay. I mean if it it's got to be good. So it can't just be it's, I don't know. All I'm trying to say is well, we, need, it, we, we can make it like a contest. Magic, whoever though. whoever gives us the best intro, we'll play it, and then we'll do like, hey, you know, next time we do a podcast, if someone else sends us an intro, and it's better, we'll play that one. So it's like, you know, we're always looking for the best intro. Can I ask you a question? The, or maybe the, just uh, the last intro we get, we'll just play that little <laughs> thing that says block time at the end. Is that Andreas saying that? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> He's got a very distinct voice, right? Block time. Block time. Yeah. So. Chris is, I would say, you're officially part of Block Time. Congratulations. Thank you. I'm Being sorry. Being part of the brotherhood. <laughs> this is great. It's like a fraternity. We have uh, a lot of interesting people listening and watching now, right? Like Stephen Pear. Hey, Stephen. If you can see. I guess I if you're watching think, on YouTube. Well, he, he listened to one. <laughs> I, we, right? not I don't think we have that many one. people listening. Should, should we put this on YouTube? I don't know. Whatever. Do whatever. All right. We can put I it would, on YouTube yeah. and, and SoundCloud. And iTunes, whatever. It's all like interconnected through that RSS feed. All right, so a lot's been going on. Um, one thing I don't have on here, so I, I was listening. And I have to finish this later today. I was listening to uh, the World of Junseth, his new podcast with that he just kind of started. I think Paul Stortz kind of pushed him to to start one. So the fork, the 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 BU, the Bitcoin Uncensored fork, uh, has officially started. I guess you could say, and uh, they're joking because Junsa has, has the minority hashing power. He's got the minority. He's got. He's on the mon- minority chain or whatever. Thought that was kind of funny comparison, but uh, yeah, it. You know, I, I almost feel like the most entertaining uh Bitcoin podcasts don't just talk about Bitcoin. They just go off on like some weird tangent about like markets or like religion or something. Garfield and Heathcliff, that kind of thing. Just I don't know, they'll just start talking about like <laughs> random stuff, which it's kind of cool. Like just not to talk about Bitcoin the entire time. But uh, anyways, so we have some talking points like we always do. So it's been what? Three weeks since we last did anything. I last, don't know. Last that, that's pretty good for us. Yeah. Considering we're usually like once a, once a month or, you know, once every 30 days or so. So, so, I mean, do we want to lead off with just, just the price in general, just because like we've seen some terrific stuff. Do it, Mike. Well, just, no, just in general, like what are we, what are we at right, right now? Changes. 1720 or something like that. 1720 by way of at its peak, it was around 18, what, 60, something like that. It's close to there. Yeah, I don't. What what did it top? I don't use I don't use the Bitfinex price. I no, just no, discount I that. So just, let's let's just talk about that for a minute. Holy crap! The spreads 
the spreads that we're seeing these days are crazy. I mean, I haven't seen any anything like it since 2013. And it's not just Bitfinex. If it was just Bitfinex, that would be one yeah, thing. Yeah, it's GDAX too. It's, yeah, it's Bitfinex to GDAX to Bitstamp to... Um, no, yeah, Bitstamp BTC. is the real price. So, so okay. Wait, wait, wait. Why do you why do you say that? Like why not? Because there's a decent amount of liquidity that you can get. You can withdraw dollars. It, you know, it doesn't take a week. Well, GDAX has fairly big liquidity nowadays, right? No, you can't. It's, well, hold, it's guys, ridiculous. guys, we can we can. What is it? We can it determine it. Uh, yeah, Polonix doesn't count. <laughs> no. <laughs> well, no, no, it does count if they're if if we're talking U.S. dollar. You're talking about U.S. dollars to Bitcoin, right? Yeah, but Polonix doesn't do. No, but stuff. look, look, bits, G- GDAX, GDAX does more than Bitstamp. Now. Yeah, so I know, so, I know, but the liquidity isn't there. At least it what's wasn't. What liquidity during, mean? I mean, it, it does more can volume. You, can you get? Can you get stuff in and out of the exchange? It does more volume. The Chinese exchanges did a lot of volume too, but it was all phony. So you're saying? <laughs> well, yeah, but this has fees attached to it, so it can't be phony volume because you'd be pissing away money. I know, but that if if there is impediment to getting dollars out, why why are you, why do you think GDAX has problems getting money in and out? Because I've they never heard because that. they are very strict on their KYC and AML. Well, standards. right, but I mean, people don't trade there if if that's the deal, right? Like. So people who don't want to comply with strict KYC, they, they just don't trade on GDAX or exactly. Coinbase. Right. right, right. But, I mean, it's still a higher volume. So, obviously, people are trading there. I mean, so so I, I would say it's, it is liquid. It's just not liquid for 100% right, of the people. Right, but what we're talking about is the opportunity for arbitrage. Ar- arbitrage, that's, yeah. that's how you get a, a, a true price discovery, right, if you have multiple exchanges in this case, which yeah. you do. So speaking about the, the spread... The Korean exchanges are way higher right now than. Uh, I don't even look at those. Uh, you know, I it, but it's it's definitely interesting, especially the, uh, again they're probably low volume too. Well, no, I mean oh, this bit. is four point eight percent of the well, almost five percent of the entire market. If is it's through if a it's high volume, does it have fees? Like because that was the no, big they, problem. No, they don't. If they don't have fees, then it's a worthless. Why? Why would number. you automatically assume Bitthumb doesn't have fees? Because th- that was the narrative or this week bit, about oh. a lot of these. Uh, South Korean and Japanese exchanges is that they are playing some of the old games that the Chinese exchanges did because a lot of that volume went from the Chinese exchanges over to Japan and or uh, South Korea. Okay. I mean, I I didn't hear about that. Where did you hear about that from? Now, granted, this is, I I do have insider. No, this is, this is on popular (laughs) media. Like I'm not saying that I believe this. I'm just saying this is the popular narrative right now. Um, in I'd be inclined to believe it just because I don't think Korea has all of a sudden overnight just become Bitcoin haven. You know what I mean? Where everybody's trading. Like, what is that? Uh, so that's that's higher because like Poloniex doesn't trade uh, XRP. Holy shit. Yeah, that's Poloniex. That doesn't even count. That's ripples. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it's it, no. that's funny because a lot of people are trading XRP with Bitcoin. That's kind of funny, though. Well, yeah, but I mean that that doesn't count as like a does, legit. Does this mean that XRP is being sold for Bitcoin or the other way around? No, Both? it's just a trade pair. It's either direction. Well, because yeah. you see, sometimes BTC is on the right side, and sometimes that's just, it's on the that's left just side. That's just the the pair that they've decided. You have right. to do a pair to get a ratio. Right. So you have to put one in front of the other to get a ratio, and it's just the the order they've determined. Okay. That's right. how that's how some. I, I just feel like it would be that's a lot. Forex works. I just feel like a lot. It'd be a lot. S- more simple if it was always BTC and then something. Well, yeah, but I mean, well, that would be more information. But they're looking at total volume of all trades back and forth. That's what they want to look at. 
That's okay. how a lot of exchanges do their, they represent their order books is uh, through these pairs like this. So, okay, so I pulled it up. Actually, um, oh, can you share the screen with what we're broadcasting or no? If you want. Uh, I'm just what it what it, the the coin coin market cap. No, I was gonna say pull up Wink Dex because uh, they they show sure. all me, the different exchanges and their. Let me share price. this with our. Oh, well, at least a lot of them. Let me let me share this with our tens of thousands of viewers right now live. Uh, <laughs> let me share what we're what we're talking about. No, but you you were just about to get into why South Korea and Japan are what they are now, and the the thing is uh, these margin. People who like to trade on margin, they have to move somewhere. Once once they move off the Chinese exchanges, they would naturally move to another market, at least another marketplace. Well, I mean that that volume wasn't real volume anyway. Exactly. Is what and that, I would and the margin argue. traders, I mean, those, those traders weren't really that. doing anything. They were right. just pumping volume. Um, well, yeah, but that's good for people who like to leverage. Well, yeah, trades. it can be. Where should I put it? Who should I cover up? I cover myself up. Well, what, should uh, we should we just should we just use it? Yeah, just pull it real quick. Um, yeah, it's I I'm on the Winkdex app. I don't know if they show it on the web page. What if we can just make this bigger, and then we can just put in the background when we're done with it. How about yeah. that? Yeah. All right. So let me. So if I if we want to turn that off, it's just one button. Sound good? Yep. All right. So now our audience can see what we're looking at. So, all right. What do you want? What do you want me to look at? If they get on the the web page, the <laughs> Wink Dex, Wink Dex, it's the Winklevoss index that they did for their ETF originally. Is it like Windex? Wink. <laughs> there you go. So, is this considered the real so price of Bitcoin? No, that's that's a weighted price. It's actually not a great price. But what what you can do is you can look at all of the different constituent prices down below. Symbol last. There you go. So like you can I don't know if it lets you add. Yeah, add add whatever ones you want to look. But those are the current prices at all the different ones. So it's really is a good place to go if you want to check the dis disparate uh, positions of the, all the exchanges right now. Oh, that's cool. Yeah. So um, so like uh. Bitfinex is showing 1776 right now, which is obviously still the highest. Um, Bitstamp's uh, 1722, which is not that far off on a percentage basis, but it's much closer to Gemini. And where's Coinbase? Coinbase is 1735. So Bitfinex is still the major outlier here, but for a time, I, I saw significant spreads between Bitstamp, Gemini, and Coinbase. And that's how you can tell the the volatility is really pumping, because if the volatility is, if if something's moving really really quickly, then those those get out of sync because people can't arbitrage fast enough because fiat's just too slow. Exactly. Well said. But yeah, but like it's it's um, but Bitfinex is is just an outlier. It just is because it has no no uh, no way to get cash in or out from a USD standpoint. No, it's, it's an important topic because we have people, you know, arguing with us every day about the fact that we choose one price over the other, right? Mm -hmm. And, you know, especially when you're topping up your card, you're selling Bitcoin for dollars, for example. They want the 
they want the Bitfinex price. And yeah, they're, they're, of course they're they do. Of course, and when when they want to pay an invoice, they want the Bitstamp price. So y'all use Bitstamp for everything? Uh, well, I can't say. I, I won't they, say. They, they have their own index. We have our own, and we try to we try to get price discovery the best we can over the you know. But it's hard to do, right? You got you got to you got to factor in a lot of things, right? To get a, to get a good price, it's all price discovery. And if we can't have arbitrage, then we can't get good price discovery. Yeah. So this one, what I'm looking at at least, do you see any of the Chinese exchanges on here? Can you can you add a symbol for BTCC? Let me see. Um, I don't see it on there. BTCE, but there's no BTCC. So they they, they have like a lot of I think what are these all US denominated uh, yeah. exchanges. Well, or, B- or BTCC USD? is USD too. It has a USD side, but it's not part of the the Winkdex index, I guess. So um, it's it's. It's like the other way usually. Lately here it's been the opposite of Oh dude, of Chinese why is why are the Chinese exchanges so low? I was looking the other day, they're at like fifteen hundred. Well, we were having a discussion about this on the Slack and uh, an individual that I was talking to, uh, he said that uh, it's it's the opposite in China, uh, you can't get bitcoins out of the exchange. You can get you can get money in and out, but you can't get bitcoins. Well, out. right now it looks like uh, so so wait, is this a Chinese exchange that's denominated in USD? Yeah. Okay, yeah. so oh, and they're also denominated. So it looks yuan, like it looks like the price is back to normal because yeah. I remember a couple of days ago they're at like fifteen hundred. Yeah, so so it looks like all the major players, funny. all so, the major players have reached arbitrage. <laughs> so they're about the same thing, except for Bitfinex. So that's funny frozen. because because I don't think we've ever had issues moving Bitcoin. It's always been fiat, right? Well, I mean, I don't know. I don't even know if that's true. That's just what somebody said. I mean, it but, makes sense. But, Why well, would the price be so low? You just buy it, right? God if, only knows what the Chinese regulators are doing right now. <laughs> you know, they, they, they could have told them, over, you know, over the last few days, nobody gets any Bitcoin. You know, who knows? Who knows well, what they... Well, I mean, as far as the the volume on these Korean exchanges, whether it be fake or real or whatever, there's pro- it's probably really hard to get a Korean fiat. So uh, on or sorry, it's probably it's hard to get your Bitcoin on the Korean exchanges. You'd say, I no, I I don't I can't speak to that because uh, the only thing I can speak to is whether hard it's hard or off. easy. Because uh, well, what's the price right now on the Korean exchange? It's like almost does two thousand. Does it have a USD? Yeah, it's two thousand equivalent to USD. Okay, something's wrong there. Yeah. So so it's probably <laughs> it's probably hard to get your fiat off. There, to get there has to be on. some barrier to arbitrage. There has to be a huge barrier to arbitrage for yeah. that to happen. And that's usually a fiat-based barrier because, you know, Bitcoin has such high velocity. You know, you can get it zip, zip, zip anywhere you want to go. But the, the fiat side, I don't know what it's like dealing with Korean banks. Maybe it's very, very difficult to get money in and out of Korea. I don't yeah. know. I mean, so I, w- I would say that's that. W- those were the two notable spreads that I saw and that's, uh, wh- that's were the Chinese exchanges at 1500 and the Korean exchanges at like 2000. And that's much higher, meaning usually when, when the, the price is higher, that means you can't get uh, fiat in or out. You can't get USD or whatever. Right. Yeah. And when it's lower, it's the opposite way. You can't get Bitcoin out. Anyways. So, yeah. So we, so we hit an all-time high. Yeah, right? several. <laughs> and... I don't know. I don't know about y'all, but I wasn't really excited. No, not not really. I wasn't excited at all, actually. Like when we hit about like fourteen fifty or like fifteen hundred, I was like, I got the jitters and I got all nervous, and uh, and then that passed, and it's just like, man, get I was I was just thinking that there there's some manipulation going on somewhere that someone's pump, someone's leading the pump, 
and they're gonna they're just gonna dump it back to some you know whatever what's that called when they dump it back to the 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 whatever the reset value is called the new the new norm or whatever no, what's, what's the it baseline called the, or i don't know whatever they when they sell it back to you know the real the price that it's, it probably should be without this big pump right what, what do you think the real price would be right now Without this pump and well, uh, with guy all, or entity or whatever you're talking about? That's a great question because with all these new verticals that we have, with all these new use cases for Bitcoin, like I've been trying to tell people, listen, the only thing you need to know about buying Bitcoin, it, just ask yourself one question. Is Bitcoin undervalued? Okay. Is it under? Because if the answer is yes, then buy it. Like if the answer is I don't know or, or no, then... But the, the, the point is, is like it, are things... Are there new use cases for Bitcoin, like real things, like not just speculation, which is fine. That is a use case. However, I think England may have found a use case. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. If you need to pay a ransom, that is a use case. If you need to buy drugs, that Talk is a use that. case. Yeah. If yeah. you need to. Because last time you were talking about ransomware being a big uh, yeah. use case. And yeah. then this news came out that what a lot of EU countries are. So, so, so how much money did you make off the ransomware you wrote? <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I'm going to get pulled into an FBI field office and then you're going to be sorry because you're going to be like, this guy, we haven't seen this guy for like three weeks and we're kind of well, worried. No, I will say, I say you called it. You called it. Yeah, because you were saying before right. this latest rash. So definitely. So us, what I'm saying is us speculation people, if we're going to speculate on this thing, then we need to know that there is actually use cases and real things behind this. If there isn't, then we're just betting. We're just spinning the roulette wheel, right? So um, I I talked about this. So I was on, and you said you watched it, and you said you watched it a little bit. It was like the World Crypto Network, I think is the name of it. And Vortex invited me on his show. Uh, Vortex, if you're watching, shout out, cool guy. Um, But but anyways, I think Vortex and I both agreed that it's really cool when the utility drives the price versus speculation. Exactly. I I think we're all in agreement about that. Well, that's cool. No one one wants to be in a bubble. That's you know. <laughs> cool. I just don't think that's the case yet, honestly. Yeah. Oh, you disagree, you disagree with them? No, I think we're still very much in the pitch of, of speculative, a speculative bubble, and we will be for quite some time. I, I do, but the question that he posed to me was, what's the real price with with sane speculation well, I mean, on top of utility I don't think price. that's like a reasonable number anyone can come up with. Yeah, I don't think that's a real number. I mean, number. do, do I you mean, have something in mind? I'm thinking, you know, maybe... Uh, you know, I was about eight hundred, but now I'm about a thousand because I, I because of what happened in the last few weeks. But I think a thousand is is a good price to say this thing is still undervalued, right? I think we're kind of overvalued at this point a little bit. There may be things that I don't know about. I'm not saying I'm an oracle about this stuff. But. So if so, if anyone listened to like what my predictions were going to be, which are like way off now, maybe we'll see. I said by the end of this year we'd be at sixteen hundred. Which was double from the price of you know what it was when I said that, which was eight hundred dollars. And uh, if you go off that metric, I think we're overvalued. But I kind of feel like we hit we hit that way too quickly. I feel like I'm gonna have to come up with a new uh, end of year estimate. Right. <laughs> well, you gotta understand these things. They they ebb and flow dramatically when they do. Well, when when they move, they move quick, one way or the other. So it's all it's all about orders of magnitude. Yeah, we're still in that volatilic rise, right? Yeah, it looks like. So, wh- what's your price then? If you know, I said a thousand, but I mean, I don't, I don't have, I don't have a price certain. I mean, and what, what you're talking about, like a, so it depends on how you define the question. 
So if you're talking about by utility standards, yeah. what should well, the price be? Well, utility plus uh, a sane amount of, of See, speculation. Sane? What is sane? I don't you know. Mean, like, spe- I, speculation I, is insane. It's an insane sa- activity. S- sane. Well, hold on. Insane speculation might be like how many people, how many coworkers have come up to you and so, asked now, hey, you know that stuff you were talking about a year ago? How do I buy some of that? Because so that's you're, happened you're, to me. Hold on. So right. so you're you're asking what value would Bitcoin be stable at? If, yeah, if I'm reading yeah, you would, guys, it would right. hum along. What, what value, if it were at that volume, it would be stable, right? Uh, okay, that's an interesting question. So, like, you take the last cycle that we were in prior to the most recent price upward price movement, and you know, if you look at the old charts, that value would be around like 300. That was the value it was stable at for a very long period of time. Um, and, and if you, if you if we assume that right now we're entering, because I, I think we're at the knee of a curve, honestly, long term. I mean, we may see a couple more bumps. This this one may go down quite a bit. Um, but I have a very strong suspicion it will rise precipitously thereafter for another uh, another mini bubble um, and, and heading into a full-on bull run. And if it does that, you know, we, we could see significantly higher values. Uh, I don't know where it'll top out at, but uh, my guess is the the bottom will be somewhere around, you know, maybe kind of probably let's see where we are now. Uh, that, that'll be a good stable bottom for where wherever it peaks out at. Maybe a little bit less, maybe back into the, the $1,200 I think, range. Hey, uh, something more interesting, what you're talking about is really boring. We have beer on the way. Nice. Yeah. <laughs> what you're talking about is, is completely boring. Yeah, but proceed. Yeah. <laughs> no, it's just we have beer on the so, way now. So, but the yeah. more interesting thing about the price for me has been uh, stuff going on with the alts because it's been very well, th- interesting. That's like to me. That's why the price of Bitcoin isn't nearly as interesting. Like if we didn't have pumps in ETH, uh, Dash, Monero, um, and Monero, Monero, no, hold on. Monero's only pumping. pumped like thirty-three percent. Yeah, it hasn't been. Okay, well, as much. ETH Classic then. Uh, and, and Litecoin, sh- sure, sure. Litecoin, um, Ripple, yeah, Ripple, Stellar Lumens, whatever the hell. Nem, Nem, whatever the hell. Nem came out of nowhere. You, you, you <laughs> know what I'm saying? Like, if we didn't have all these pumps with these ICOs and altcoins and whatever, Gnosis, Gnosis or whatever. Yeah. Uh, you know, it, it really takes away the spotlight, in my opinion, from the price of Bitcoin because when you ha- see these sick gains with like you know thousand percent returns and stuff with these other coins, it's like it kind of takes away the sexiness of Bitcoin, in my opinion, as far as the price is it concerned. It does, yeah. And, and you know, it, it, of well, course, it's, if all that speculation was funneled into Bitcoin, that would make Bitcoin. So, you know, like, well, here's the other know, obvious but. problem. I mean, markets in general. Uh, if you're talking about like the stock market, there's a thing known as a stock split, and uh, in a stock split, you yeah, that's what one coin does to double their coins, right? It's okay. I'm not even going to go there. Um, so, so like in a stock split, you have like a two to one split or whatever ratio you want. Uh, the company decides it's going to, you know, in the case of a two one split, half the value of its shares. And really, the reason why it does this is its shares have gotten too expensive. So people look at them in comparison to other stocks in the market and say, oh, that one's too high. I don't want to buy it. Right. So if they do a split, then it's now half the value. And then suddenly a new investor who knows nothing about it and they're not looking at total market (coughs) cap. They're just looking at the price of the stock. They look at it and say, oh, it's cheap. I should buy it. So I'm really I'm really stupid. Is that the only reason why they do stock splits pretty much? 
or is it because there is it, or is it I to mean, get more granularity so they can include more of their employees? Well, they, they they do get options. more granularity out of it. They do, and you know when when they when they get to because like it's insane to think of when you're talking about Bitcoin prices and Bitcoin uh, terminology because we have like you know practically infinite divisibility compared to stocks which have one share, which one share can be between typically between you know. Uh, a couple of pennies all the way up to a couple hundred it, bucks. It's almost like a scheme. Like if we do a stock uh, split, we know it won't drop by fifty percent. It might drop so by thirty percent. So we're going to get so much more value. The equivalent of a Bitcoin stock split is just everybody switching over to millibits or bits. Yeah, and saying this is what Bitcoin is now, and they just refer to it. That's a stock. When deal. is that going to happen? Because it's the it, psychology, it's, right? It's going to get to the point where Bitcoin's ten thousand dollars, maybe, and you, you know, it's no one's going to really be it's able funny to buy one. It's funny because we can switch to millibits right now. Because right now, a dollar is one point eight. You know, well, a Bitcoin's uh, a dollar's one point eight. Or sorry, yeah, one point eight dollars a millibit. I think right? so. Yeah. So, <laughs> so like a speculator like me. I, you know, dollar and eighty cents. Who who, bit, who might buy like you know fifty dollars worth of Bitcoin a month? That would be much more attractive to we, someone. Well, at, see, yeah, someone who's you know someone in my kind of position. People who don't know how market cap works and how yeah. So that, no, that's no. Whole, even if I knew how market cap well, yeah. works, that's well everything being priced in that. What, well, what I'm saying is this is another reason that alts are much more attractive because they look at the price of Bitcoin and they say, oh, it's too high. I'll never, I'll uh, never get into it now. Uh, I won't make any money. And so I so said, look at the price of ETH, and they're like, oh, well, that's a lot cheaper. I can afford that. Well, hold on. And it's like well, well, recently, <laughs> until recently, right? Well, I'll, no, I'll take I mean, that back. Still, it's even one hundred dollars versus eighteen hundred when I'll, they look. At it. Well, hold on. I'll take that back. The one thing I, uh, the one thing that kind of kills that is the transaction fee. So if you're if you are pricing stuff in millibits, and the you know transaction fee cost is like one millibit, potentially. You know you know what I'm saying like, it's, like it's you just, know point one millibit. It doesn't matter. The prices are. That's like ten percent of that of, of my transaction is a fee. Potentially, right. It doesn't matter. You know? The percent is still a percent. But yeah, well yeah. The, so so because no, we the have percent such... is not still a percent. It's a it's a nominal amount. Well, yeah, but I mean the fee is Satoshi still the per fee. byte, right? It's it's not a percent. It's the same ratio, regardless no, of how you denominate it. No, no, what? What? No, it's 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 always byte per satoshi, and then depending on the value, that determines right, the ratio. Right, but, but if you go to millibits, you're just dividing everything by a thousand. Oh yeah, yeah, I know. <laughs> That's but, all but you're doing. I I agree. I agree. Yeah. So so I understand what you're saying, but you're you're in my opinion, you're more likely going to have people wanting to send small amounts of Bitcoin. You know, like a couple of millibits if if we if you start pricing stuff in millibits i'm just i'm just trying to explain a little bit why uh, you see some of the stuff as far as alts yeah. can you get the door that's the beer i hope yeah there's a lot of talks about this when remember when we had the 13 run up with mount gox and all that there was a lot of uh hey emily uh when we had the run up we we were thinking about hey let's start marketing bitcoin as a uh, as going to millibits, right? Because it was like a thousand or whatever, and it, and it was like it went clean, right? It was like one millibit equals, you know. Comboy switch uh, Bitcoinity oh, over to that, and it's been like that ever since. Yeah. So uh, there was a lot of all of people. all of 2014 and 15 too. Yeah. Man, it was really hard to read for a while. <laughs> well, we were talking, we were doing all the research about hey, uh, people like their prices to be you know between one and ten or whatever, right? Yep. If, you, if you're thinking about small items like a coffee, your 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 price your prices should be um, in units of one to ten or whatever. That, that's what people have said, right? Right. But that doesn't really track clean with uh, the world of other currencies. Like, for example, the yen. Mm -hmm. Right. A yen is basically like a penny or less. Right. 
Like there's like a like hundred. I, I think uh, I don't know what the exchange rate is now, but it, it used to be like 120 yen to a dollar, right? So it's like less than a penny per yen. Right. So. Yeah, um, the yen's the base level currency. That's what it's so, denominated in. Yeah. You know, if you chill out in Japan for a while, you're like you're used to like denominating things and you know just adding two zeros, if not more, right, to something. So. You know, you look at a price of a shirt and it might be 30,000 yen or something like that. The big thing to recognize is that it's all arbitrary and it's all, you know, it's it's, it's social. You know what I mean? It's right. it's your own social context. It's just getting used to seeing prices and, you know, having a decimal point or whatever. Yeah. But, I mean, a lot of this stuff does have to do with, with the psychology of it. So, so getting back to my original point is we're, we're trained with investments, especially with the U.S. stock market. To think that anything that is, you know, 10 to $50 is potentially undervalued and anything that's over $100 is potentially overvalued. Right. Because anytime it gets outside of those bounds, we, we see a stock split. Yeah, I think, I, think that works. Sure. I think that works in most Western cultures, but not in Eastern cultures. Yeah, which is interesting. You know, I hadn't really considered that. But, um, but I, suffice it to say is when you look at the, regardless of what it's denominated, when you look at the price of, of alts versus the price of Bitcoin and you see Bitcoin is so high, people don't realize, A, it's divisible uh, as much as it is, and B, that, that the actual numbers are complete bullshit <laughs> as far as the value. So they just look at it and they think that they're priced out of the market when, in fact, that they very well may not be. <coughs> yeah. All right, Maybe guys. psychology, yeah, definitely. All right, guys, this isn't. All right, we gotta move on. Something okay. more interesting. No, it's interesting like, because uh, you, you, <laughs> I think, I think you need to pay attention to what new people are thinking about when they're getting into this thing. Well, all right, for new people getting in, and they and they ask you that hard question: Should I buy Bitcoin? What do you say to that? See, that's a that's. I an say what I told topic. you guys. I say you need to ask yourself the question: Is it undervalued? And the only way to answer that you, is first, you invest in yourself, and you invest in learning the technology first. People yeah, don't but like right. learning things, though. But, but that's against Tizen's principles. What do you? Can you s explain that? Principles of life-changing money. Yeah, you don't need to understand <laughs> the technology. You just need to know if it's going to go up. Okay, fine. But that's that's a that's a novel. That's that doesn't sound like a real thing. <laughs> so so apparently, I mean, apparently they're is, making good money doing it. I don't this know. This is this is. Um, it's like stoner, how you stoner set yourself up and fall for <laughs> for scam. It sounds I mean, very stoner talk. If you don't know, if you don't know what somebody's doing, and then you're you're just setting yourself up to fall victim to a scam. If you don't exactly. know how something works, you know, right? Yeah, I mean that's a good point. But so, what so if, you know if, you, if you know it's a scam? If you know if you know it's a scam and you know how it works and you know it's a scam, then you know when to get in and when to get out. Right. Interesting. So you can make money that way. Right. Yeah, but but, yes. <laughs> but if that's you still don't a know, risky proposition. It's it's a risky proposition, but I think that's how people who are introducing other people to some of these lesser that's how they make their money is knowing when to get in and when to get out. Uh so let me read some stuff from the Autica chat right now. Um Shores? I don't know how to pronounce that. S-J-O-R-S? S-J-O-R-S? Shores. Shores? Shores. Shores. All right, anyways. He said, in case you plan to discuss WannaCry, has anyone actually got their files unlocked? It seems really impractical because they only use three hard-coded co addresses. My working theory is that whoever is behind this was surprised by how fast thing, the thing spread. Yeah, that's pretty crazy. I, di I didn't know there were only three addresses. Thank you so much for the uh, insights yeah, that's there. Interesting. That's so, cool. So we have three viewers so right now. For, for, uh, 
four of them are probably fake, uh, so we have seven total. So I think the people who are logged are in probably know what WannaCry is, but for the wider audience that may never Did you say whiter? Wider. Oh, okay. I was just going to have to... That was a microaggression. <laughs> <There>. <laughs> All right. For the wider audience that, uh, that uh, may not know, uh, WannaCry is the crypto uh, locker-like attacks that are currently plaguing a lot of uh, institutions in Europe. Um, the NIH in England, uh, I heard Germany has a uh, outbreak of them and several. Can you talk about, uh, so I read something, I don't remember where it was from, that they were actually receiving some ransom Bitcoin or what? Well, I mean, yeah, I, I, I read. Like, there were several people paying out, and it was publicly Yeah, I read noted. they got a couple of payments, yeah. Um, so so when he says three hard-coded addresses, does that mean three Bitcoin addresses or three? It sounds like, the, that. I, I may be reading him wrong, but it sounds like he's saying that the program itself only has three possible hard-coded Bitcoin output addresses rather than something deterministic. Well, I'm glad, I'm glad... Uh, which would well, be, wait a minute. That which is would be really dumb. No, no. If they're if they're hard coded, that means there's three addresses rather than saying like uh, a seated, you know, some sort of thing where. Well, see, that's interesting. Well, so now I'm thinking about it too, because if somebody has the code that spawns a deterministic address, right. they they can then see all. It's it's having an XPub key, so they can see all the potential addresses. So that's there's no good way to handle that, huh? That's well, wait a minute. No, you can't. You can't you can't know all the public addresses. You'd have to no, have the no, private I'm key. No, no, I'm saying if if the program is running on the computer that generates oh, the addresses, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yes. then you have to be able to determine what they, you you're necessarily. You have the XPub key and you can yeah. determine what all the addresses are going to be. So what I, you know, what he should have done is he should have pseudo randomly generated a few, you know, 100,000 addresses and and have it picked from a pool of that. No, but here no, but here's <laughs> and why. And just have that like in the binary. Or, of well, the program. something, yeah. No, here's why he doesn't want to do that, right? Because this is a new vertical, right? So he Okay, so whoever did this wants to get Bitcoin, right? And perceivably have the the price of Bitcoin go up, right? I would I would assume. So you think this is a bit uh, Because if they, they if, <laughs> this if is they a hodler that's doing this? Maybe because okay, say like you get this Bitcoin, right? How are you going to move this thing? You're going to sell it on local Bitcoins probably. Maybe you try to launder it through some exchange. Good luck with that, right? With all the restrictions. You hold it and pray for uh, so, a fungibility. Fix. Right. So <laughs> if you use a limited number of Bitcoin addresses, that allows people to look at the balances on those things, right? And they can quantify what these things what these things are getting, right? And so if you're getting mad dollar, if you're getting mad Bitcoin with this thing, it's going to be, they're going to tie it to the rest of the market and you're going to be able to, to, to up the, you're going to be able to give good metrics to people saying, hey, is this a real thing or is it not a real thing, right? Yeah, I'm, so I'm operating under the assumption that that person wants to cash out. That's what they want. Well, of they, course. They want to yeah, cash yeah. out. Right. Hey, so, so the other interesting thing, if you have these really public uh, ransomware addresses, are Bitcoins ever coming out? Are Bitcoins coming out of that forever going to be plagued by not being able to be cashed out on exchanges? I think we had this discussion last yeah, this last was, time. This, we I, don't, about I don't remember. Like what do we say about that? Well, we were talking about taint and taint percentage because if you move it to another address and mix it with other funds, so so ideally, what you would do with a you know a smaller amount, not a large amount, is you would run it through like a coin join mixer, to where it would tumble it and tumble it and tumble it, and then what comes out, you know, you have no idea if it's actually the guy or somebody else. Okay. All right. I mean, that's I'm the gonna, only uh, decent thing to do. But here's the problem with that is, you know, those don't have a, a crap ton of liquidity. You know what I mean? And and they do carry with them, at least now, until we get some, like, tier two stuff, 
they carry with them the ability to be ripped off because <laughs> right. they're, they're relying on third parties. And they're all run by the NSA anyway. <laughs> Probably they all. That, that that goes with, you know, that's a very good point. I mean, several of them today could be honeypots. Yeah, you know? they are. <laughs> they, it, I'm, I'm quite sure that a lot of that stuff is run by the government themselves. They want data. They want, that's, that's the currency. Uh, yeah, that's, yeah, and, and that's, that's the way to do it. I mean, if you, if you assume nearly everybody in CoinJoin has something to hide. Exactly. <laughs> which they probably do. But <laughs> yeah, so kids at home, don't use CoinJoin. Use, use what we all use, which is Shapeshift. <laughs> so go, use Shapeshift and sell to, you know, Monero or something and then sell back to Bitcoin. So, um, but, um, so like that guy couldn't use Shapeshift, I don't think, because those addresses almost certainly would be flagged. So, I you mean, know? so Eric, wait, Eric, uh, sorry, Voorhees. Shapeshift, Voorhees. I was going to say Eric Voorhees coming, I'll just call it Shapeshift, 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 uh, what they they care about? No, whether random. Well, okay, no, I was about they, to say. I feel like but I feel like Eric Voorhees wouldn't wouldn't like. Allow no, he does. He seems like a general laissez-faire kind of guy. But um, but, like but, all but that's I mean, an understatement. <laughs> <laughs> but you you never know. You never know. Uh, and, and also, uh, so so it only does it in small amounts. Uh, so that that's that's one of the drawbacks yeah. of using Shapeshift. So you'd have to like yep. if if he got I don't know how many bitcoins from that, he'd only be able to get get a few through at a time, and people would be watching. All right, so, so I want to I want to move the let's see the stream. I just call it the back to Chrome, and uh, let's let's look at so Shores um, gave us the addresses of the ransomware accounts. What's the balance in there now? So there's three. He he posted all three links. We got one with 3.6 Bitcoin. There what? Wait, wait, wait. Three I, Bitcoins, remote, all they got from a ransom. No, wait, hold on. There's another, there's another address with 6.8. That's that's not nothing. And no. then there's one with well, five. still nothing. So he's got... And if you look at total transactions, 38, 34, 30. Okay, what about outbound? <laughs> so, so, so we can look at like the normal, like the, like the normal uh, input to this account. Look at all those outputs right there. Oh, how much is he taking oh, out? Oh, they're paying from these. Point zero zero one, point zero zero two, point. Wait, wait, hold on. No, I need to really oh, look, look at this. Yeah, he's yeah. Well, so, so because this is this is the one I need to look at. He's, is the look, going he's price. mixing. Like, look, see all the zero zero one one one. Like that's a classic mixer, right there. Mm -hmm. So wait a minute, is he getting? I'm how, how much has gone in is, and out total? Well, you can see how much a, total how much received is still three point six four Bitcoin. So, so final so he's balance. sending it back to himself. Like, no, 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 to the coin join. Okay, I guess I'm a little bit confused on the. I no, but what's I think going it, on here. oh, so there's twenty seven point four four output to. What's that from? Because these are all inputs to. Right. So look at look at the third one down. You'll see like zero zero. You'll see like very uh, even denominations. Of outputs, like you mean, like right here. Yeah, here, yeah. That's a coin join right there. Classic. Yeah. So why is this? Or explain this coin join transaction right here. So uh, what you have is you have you have um, this input. You have mixers that that operate on outputs. one denomination. Like you'll have a mixer that operates on like a hundred uh, or a hundred thousand. Here's Satoshis. what I don't get. Why why is the the output going to our target address? Because he should be mixing from it, not to it. Oh, that is true. Is it's that the weird. output address? Yeah, that's the, the output address. So, right so the one that's not a link, that's the one we're talking about. So this is something else. I don't know what it is, but... Well, wait a minute. What? All right. What, what, the address right here is 115P. Okay? Yeah. 
So, so it's the only one that's not a link of the outputs. Yeah, it's 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 getting sent point zero zero one right here. It's really weird. I think people are fucking with it. <laughs> I don't know. Maybe, I think maybe they're mixing. They're they're using it as a mix address. How right? Is it, how is that possible? Oh, maybe he's mixing in other Bitcoin in there. Like wait. he's sending it to himself. Wait, well, wait, hold on, hold on, hold on. This other address that he's using is twelve T nine. And you can see twelve T nine. This other one is thirteen AM. Thirteen AM, and then he has this twelve. Yeah, but those are just so, between so, so all, all the three, addresses. So all three of these addresses. Now that's somebody are, are else. The, are that's the, somebody else flagging the addresses. Is what it is. They're sending him a transaction to flag the address for some reason uh, of all three of those. Because look at the amount. You see, that's this, like a minimal right now. That's a minimal transactable amount of Bitcoin. Yeah, that's, that's you know, it's like, um, <laughs> so it's almost like that's a thousand Satoshis. Right there. It's almost right, like exactly. they're flagging so anything less. The fee costs more. It's so. almost like uh, it's almost like it's somebody flagging that, that in the blockchain in the blockchain. Yeah. yeah. So they want to flag publicly that these are the three addresses. But I mean, this is somebody else. This has nothing to do with the attack. This is something yeah. else. So yeah. I don't even know if this is coin join. No, Chris. I wouldn't say it is. Yeah, maybe not. So yeah, it, no, no, it's just interesting because we're, we're just looking at it together. I mean, it's just yeah, no, this is all very interesting stuff. So let's see, let's see, like this looks actually like a real transaction right here. But but I mean, um, again, okay, so that's, that's so right. this one actually looks like someone look, look might have paid the ransom. Yeah, yeah, that's a ransom pay. So one point three hundred dollars in Bitcoin. So that's one point right. six. I guarantee you, that's going to be close to three hundred bucks because that's what it tells you to send. Yeah. Which is like seventeen hundred. So yeah, I mean two hundred seventy-two yeah, dollars. Like, yeah. Or What's what's the ransom in dollars? Three hundred. Three hundred dollars. Mike said. Okay. So that that actually looks like. So whoever this guy is probably paid the ransom. Right yeah, here. that looks like somebody paid the ransom. So anything around one point six to one point seven is a probably a ransom payment. Like this guy right here. Well, that's actually one point seven exact. I don't know if that's. I don't know. Well, yeah, but I mean. So what the hell is this right here? This looks crazy. What is this transaction? That is a w classic um, swipe, uh, sweep transaction. Yeah, but doesn't a sweep have a lot of inputs? It's an opposite. It's sweep. an opposite. It's one it, output and a. Sh it's one a one input, input and, and a ton, ton of. of yeah, it's right. an opposite of a sweep. So why? Oh, no, it's like a it's it's like a payout, I guess. Right. Well, yeah, but hold on. What? What's? Hold on. Look at our transaction versus the rest. Is it higher, lower, or the no, same? No, it's the, it's the amount of the ransom payment. Right here. See, okay, well, that's weird. Why it's would anybody 7. send? send <laughs> it's, oh, okay. it's like it's like part of the ransom payment. They also, eh, I might as well send it to. No, 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 no. That's a classic exchange. If you send from like uh, Coinbase, oh, that's what exchange. Oh, so exchange. this was that came. So this was exchange. someone sending like from somebody a had Bitcoin on a Coinbase, uh, okay. and then they sent all those other okay. amounts. To, okay, like a, what they call a payout? Like yeah, a, it's a payout. Okay. okay, now that makes sense. So, okay, so someone paid. With, from an exchange it to one of these addresses. It just amazes me that right. we're talking about under 10 Bitcoins as a sum total that this this massive earth-shattering, you know what I mean? It, it, you know, Because I mean? it's been on the news for like the 24 hours news cycle for a while. I thought it was bigger. Well, I mean, hey, who knows in like a week if this isn't like triple, quadruple no, amount they, of they Bitcoin. No, they cut it down. They cut it down, remember? Uh, so, so this is so the other thing So it's not $300 anymore? No, 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 no. So uh, one of the security workers found a kill switch for the Oh, propagation. yeah, that was right. That's yeah. right. So, they, so okay. I mean, it's not likely to get any worse than it is now. We'll probably see more payments. Uh, but, you know, but this is just the first wave. <laughs> But well. what we do know is there's a lot of companies that operate honeypots that intentionally get infected so they can see, so they can track what They'll addresses leave. people are yeah. using, and then they track how much, and then they, they put out reports that say, hey, last year, you know, we uh, we calculate that, it, that the market was 300 million or something like that. 
Okay. So interesting. All right, I want to close out Chrome. Thanks. Uh, thanks for so, sending us the addresses, stores. As I read, I, I read on uh, Reddit. Um, it was pointed out that these uh, these were actually these attacks that were used were part of the zero day vulnerability set that was uh, leaked by the NSA <laughs> to WikiLeaks. Is it the CIA or, or sorry, CSA? Well, one of the three letter agencies, whichever one grabbed the zero day. What was a zero year? Um, but it's part of part of the huge massive leak that the, actually allowed these exploits to take place. So we can thank the U.S. government. So thanks, guys. <laughs> well, they, I mean, the people who who you know operate these networks should be patching immediately upon you know hearing about this. It's been several weeks, if not months, right? Yeah, there there are patches out. People need to update. So, All right. Or. Alternatively, Anyways. back up your stuff. <laughs> Just don't back it up with the virus. <laughs> back yeah, it up do, early. They do, they do a full backup with the virus. <laughs> and then the virus. <laughs> oh, I got a virus. Time to back up. <laughs> the IT guy's like, don't worry. We have a backup. They they put it in probably and then you have to still pay that malware. Like, oh. Yeah, they backed up the uh, They backed up just files. the drives. Yeah. Um, so you, did you, you heard me mention Tizen earlier. I actually had uh, I spent some time with Tizen uh, on Friday. We we hung out, so he lives uh, pretty close to where I work, and uh, he was just asking if I want to hang out. And we just chatted for a little bit. Uh, he actually uh, it's kind of funny. He he like he you know he's a content guy. He always wants to film and stuff. So we go to Avalon, and uh, he starts filming. And like we're you know we're just sitting like on like one of the you know tables or you know out in the park or whatever and uh, we you know we do like a thirty minute you know interview or whatever and he goes to his camera he's like none of that recorded <laughs> 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 like he recorded yeah, it nice. so it was interesting because I didn't hey, really know this can, have you checked to make sure we're recording <laughs> oh god. <laughs> Did you guys do a whole podcast and you didn't record? Or something? I don't know. We yeah, were, we well, were drunk. no, no, we recorded. It. it was just so bad. I never played. I never oh played yeah, it, it was not good. It, it was, was not, just, right. and it was really short. It was like we got interrupted, and so are we recording? Yes, no. We're, we're okay. Recording. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, even if we weren't, at least we have beer. Because yeah, we, we should just come together every Saturday and just put headphones on and start. <laughs> <laughs> this is just an easier way to communicate, guys. Like. That'd be funny if you want to have a serious conversation. You got to put the headphones on. That's the new passing the ball. Yeah, it's like it's like it's like I turn off your mic if you're talking too much. It's like you know everyone cut gets the e- mic. Yeah, everyone gets equal share. You know, he totally pulled a CNN on somebody. You just cut the mic on them and say they're having difficulties with the satellite. I guess I've been filtered out. All right. Well, I, I was I was trying to make you still talk, but you you stopped talking you see, immediately. You've seen all the CNN clips where they say, "Oh, we're, we've lost the satellite feed, and it's not even a satellite. It's like a guy is on Skype or something." <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. No, I haven't seen that, but that's funny. Those are hilarious. Uh, so yeah, so I hung out with Ty, and so I learned something because uh, he he filmed uh, by accident in 10K, and 10K only films up to 10 minutes or something on a phone. Yeah, 10K. <laughs> Or no, it's not 4K. Okay, if he was filming in 4K. <laughs> 10K on a phone, that would be crazy. That's ridiculous. Yeah, so he was filming in 4K, but when you film in 4K, you can only film up to 10 minutes at a time, which I didn't, you know, it's interesting. But Why? You just have to restart it every t- four I think it's like, No, you I, run out of space. I think the <laughs> phone gets hot. It's like a lot of process, oh. and it's just how the phone's set up. But uh, anyways, hung out with him. And uh, I've been doing a lot of stuff with 
Bitcoiners or you know blockchainers or whoever. If you, if, I don't know what Tizen is. What would you call him? And just an I don't investor? know him. I've never met him. Really? I don't think so. He doesn't. You don't watch YouTube, right? Like I'll, he, I'll watch his stuff, but he knows he about has, YouTube oh. Red. Okay, well, he's, I'll he's a watch. YouTuber. I don't know everything. So well, I, don't know. I mean, you're he's not necessarily missing much. Listener. He he usually just talks about like investments. Like okay. if you want to invest in this altcoin, I don't know if that's is he is he a Chinese gentleman? I think he has Chinese background, uh, but he's I don't Vietnamese. think he's Chinese. He's Vietnamese. I think Leon's oh, okay. Chinese. Okay, yeah. Okay. He, he, but he's, he isn't, he, like, he's pretty much American. Uh, yeah. Okay. I would just yeah, call him American. American. Okay. Yeah. So ABC, I, right? Yeah, I wouldn't even think of him as like Vietnamese or You know Chinese. that term, ABC? American-born Chinese? Yeah. I know now. Well, okay. but, then but again, he's Vietnamese. He's so. ABV. ABV, okay. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Uh, so I hung out with no, Vortex. He, he immigrated, yeah. When he was so he, he, did, he did the world... Uh, World Crypto Network. I should know that more because I was on it. Um, There's a bunch of guys on there. You said you like the British guy or whatever? Yeah, Renegade. Wait, did we already talk about this? I feel like we're repeating ourselves. I I, don't I, know. I like the Renegade investor guy. I don't I don't know if it's... He, go, he goes by Renegade, but I don't know if it's Renegade investor or something else, but but he's I like that guy. There's some guy on there that I never heard of that I told you about earlier. Uh, some guy named Andrew who uh, yeah. seemed like a developer and like a Bitcoin enthusiast. Like, yeah. like a Bitcoin maximalist almost. Yeah, and, it looks um, like he's in his attic because it's just all raw. Yeah, yeah. well, yeah, it was like pretty much like a... It looked like he was either in the attic or a barn. I mean, <laughs> you, you, <laughs> I mean, I, I noticed that too. Um, yeah, and uh, uh, the he seemed like some, stock guy. Uh, Diego. Diego was cool, Who we met in person. And I wanted to ask him, it was funny, I wanted to ask him, so how would you compare this to drive chains, right? Because we're friends with Paul Sports. Uh, sporks and um and and i think it was andrew or someone else asked it like right before i did i was like oh <laughs> um but well, i asked well, him a, andrew, i asked him uh, an interesting question though yeah andrew he, he sort of capitalized the the whole conversation with diego because he was just like all about you know is this like javascript or is it not you know because he's all about javascript and web stuff and web sockets and all this other stuff yeah, what was he talking about that was like he he was talking about something interesting that I don't know if I've ever heard of that he was like talking about oh, don't um, ever use JavaScript, use something else. Yeah, I was like, everybody's well, hot it's the new hotness is uh this thing called um called uh, Web it's uh, logic web, or no it's a uh, ASM, it's like assembly web assembly. Web oh, assembly, okay. that's web so, assembly. Hot so shit. in web assembly yeah. uh so web assembly is supposed to be like the common language between um all things can compile down to WebAssembly. So if you're like, so you can code in any language. If you're like JavaScript guy, that it will, it will, you know, you can directly compile to WebAssembly. If you're a Rust guy, it'll go to WebAssembly. Yeah, but it's all for like web. I want to write it. Right? Hey, I want to write a web page in C plus plus. You can. Uh, just me. You can. There's no <laughs> nothing stopping. I want to do that. I want to do bitwise moves. <laughs> <laughs> but so WebAssembly is the hotness because it is sort of like the lowest common denominator between all these. Languages like Rust and um, JavaScript. I mean, was so it? So it just gets down to like the H, like the actual it, it, calls it's a to C plus plus or just whatever. Think, all think these of things it are written. Yeah. In browser compiler. Think okay. of like bytecode in Java. A okay. Universal in browser compiler. All right, no. cool. Yeah. Thanks for thanks for breaking that down. So one thing that I asked Diego, which I wasn't clear on, was I was like, "How are y'all making money? How do y'all make money?" And I don't know if this is a common knowledge or whatever, but it was saying he takes a twenty percent cut. When you go in and out of the two-way peg, did y'all understand that part? Yeah, I, I didn't see that part. Yeah, that's. Can you explain that? Because I actually I didn't want to like bombard him with questions because everyone had some. But do you pay a twenty percent fee when you u- utilize the two-way peg? Essentially? Yeah, exactly. Like kind of like what BitPay does when they take a one. Per- we take a one percent fee for converting for taking uh, presenting an invoice to customers. They pay 
we then when, before we settle with the merchant we then take our cut so, so he does the same kind of thing so why would you pay 20 percent if this is open source and maybe you can use like do you need a company that's reliable to maintain that two-way peg you kind of do because and he does explain this but not in the world crypto network that you were on he yeah. can explains it other in other places uh he explains why rootstock has uh, delivers value to its customers and the weight okay so basically i won't go into all the details but what he says is it's it's incredibly difficult to bootstrap a new reliable altcoin right especially one that is riding on bitcoin or in this case ethereum so because you have the problem of you know the pre-mines or the you know shenanigans that happen at the beginning of a new altcoin right so what he wants to do is is wipe away all that risk for people so that they have faith that a new uh, two-way peg in this case is going to be on the up and up and so that's what that's the value that he's delivering so quick question because i'm I, i'm forgetting now it's been so long is he reliant on a transaction malleability fix to yes, yes. so he, explain, he still he can't do anything until segwit or something else goes yeah huh uh, yeah now poor guy well no that's <laughs> he also explains why he's on ethereum like right? yes Hey. Oh, so he did. He switched rootstock. Oh, well, he, he wants to be on. He wants to be on Bitcoin, but he. But can't. I mean, that's the whole thing. Is I thought. Uh, I thought rootstock was an attempt to be Ethereum on Bitcoin. I mean, it essentially wants to be that. Why? Why would you? Why would you be Ethereum on Ethereum? <laughs> I mean, it doesn't. Yeah, mean, I, I don't know. Like, it's I've not never really used, worth anything. I've never used rootstock itself, but um, the way he was talking about it on World Crypto Network, this you know his company is is trying to achieve this merge mining thing, and. You know, uh, but, I mean, the, but there's problems with trying to do that because you can get easily attacked. And he talked about having big companies uh, sort of stake uh, doing merge mining so that they can prevent this. Attack. So would you say that Paul Stort's drive chains are decentralized because you merge mine without a company? Yeah, I think I think Paul has a good idea. I think he I think his idea he, is he a little bit more my style. And, and okay. but I get why people would want to use Diego's company. Um, I don't disparage it. I just think that, um, you know, there's, there's, uh, you know, it's kind of like, it's not my cup of tea and I don't think it's cup. And I don't think it's like Paul's cup of tea either. So we, we, uh, so in the Slack channel, if you're not, if you want to be part of the Slack channel, we uh, have the Atlanta blockchain equivalent Slack. I think it's called blockchain revolution.slack.com or whatever. Ask for an invite if you're interested, but we're talking about, uh, Doge. Let me just run through this. And Mike said something hilarious. We're, I forget what were what, how that conversation even go. Do you remember? Yeah, we were talking about a fifty-one percent attack. Yeah, we're we're talking about fifty-one percent attacks, and we're talking about uh, if a coin like Doge was like if it was kind of immune to every kind of attack because it's a freaking meme and no one really cares. Yeah, memes are immune to a fifty-one percent. Yeah, attack memes are, <laughs> and the only thing that can kill a meme coin is a zero percent attack, which means. No like, one, nobody <laughs> gives a shit. No one, so so people stop mining it essentially. <laughs> That's hilarious. Yeah, because yeah, somebody somebody pointed out because Dogecoin is a meme, and like so it's you know as a meme, it's you know it's never gonna it's not vulnerable to fifty one percent. I said it is vulnerable to a zero percent. However, I think so, that was a good rebuttal to what I said. No, this is yeah. this is funny. Yeah. Let me dovetail on that because my wife looked over my shoulder one day last week and she she said, "What is Ripple?" Because I was looking at Coin Market Cap. <laughs> And I said, "Oh, Ripple's bullshit." Oh, be- begin right? the twenty-minute tirade. No, I, I, I start. I just said Ripple's bullshit. She's like, she started laughing, like, you know, 
And she's like, no, seriously, what is that? And I'm like, oh, it's like this thing. And I, I explained the whole thing about them just giving out, like, to basically trying to pump their coin by giving out, increasing the supply unilaterally and just giving people stuff, right? And that's exactly what happened with Doge, right? Mm -hmm. And that's, that's a rep recipe for possible success, right? Because if you just... If you just create a currency and just start giving it out, right? It, you can create you create yourself a market right then and there, right? So people that have Doge or Ripple—that's what they're trying they to do with Bitcoin to, back in 2012 and 11, right? Well, they're, yeah, they have faucets and shit. Yeah, right. But you know, Ripple obviously they 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 they're starting to manipulate things so that they can keep themselves in the top five. Well, see, that's right? that's the difference though with Ripple is they still own like ninety five percent of the Ripple. The XRP is right. owned by the company and held back. So like the rest of it, and and literally, Ripple doesn't. Okay, XRP it's on Poloniex, so you can exchange Ripple on Poloniex, and you can exchange Doge too. That's what my point is that if you just create something out of thin air and give it to people, you create yourself a market, and it has although it has little value. It has some value, and you might actually get people to to have interest in it. Well, right? see, see, my my whole problem with that is the problem of distribution, which is the problem Bitcoin solved pretty well, because it distributes it to people who contribute to the security of the network. That's who receives the distribution of Bitcoin. Have you ever have you actually looked at the consensus model of Ripple, the iterative consensus that it's, they're doing? It's been a it's been a while since I looked at it. I wasn't so. I don't know. It, it's. I, so, I I wonder. I wonder if you know if people think when they go to Coin Market Cap and stuff and they see this and it's being traded, if they think it's a blockchain. They do. They absolutely asset. do. Okay. Well, they, Ripple. They, the Ripple. I know for a fact that Ripple uh, actively uh, wants to be in the top three. Like when Doge. I'm sorry. When Dash <laughs> supplanted uh, Ripple at some point, they were not cool with that, right? Because immediately they. They regained their their top position by pure manipulation, right? There's no, there's nobody. That that thing about the zero percent thing is absolutely true, right? Mm -hmm. Because they cannot get to zero percent because they're dead, right? So if they can if they can maintain point one percent, even you know by hook or by crook, they're going to do it. And that's exactly what happened. I mean, yeah, but it's kind of hard to even compare that kind of thing to Ripple because. Ripple is like it's it's all federated nodes that run it, right? Yeah, it's it's, it's not. It's hard. It's, it's hard to even because there is no mining. There's no. Ripple like, is not. Ripple's not a cryptocurrency. It, it's, it's it's hard to it's not, give that comparison. You can't you can't put it in the same class as even 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 the well, ICOs. It's a. I mean, it's a different. It's a completely different kind of it's cryptocurrency. A yeah. And and I could I could easily make a Python script that creates uh you know a for loop that counts one to my array and now i'm making tidwell tokens that you know this is my currency what you know what i'm saying it's like interestingly enough a little bit of trivia do you know who invented ripple wasn't it made like 15 years ago no jed mccaleb jed mccaleb was the originator of ripple okay. and jed mccaleb was the guy who made and sold mount gox to mark Carpellis. Little bit of uh, historical <laughs> crypto trivia there. Yeah. <laughs> so I mean, it's just yeah. <laughs> this guy. Yeah. That guy. Wait, yep. He, let me let me share this with our with our two viewers. I mean, Ripple's interesting. I mean, it, it's it's not a cryptocurrency. It does some interesting things. It allows banks to transfer money between each other pretty effectively. 
but it's centralized. Ripple True. settles $1 million lawsuit with former executive. Oh, yeah. Wow, this guy's making money, money. Oh, he sold and he's a Cox. And he's a, <laughs> and he's a co-founder of Stellar. So he wrote, he oh, wrote man, the this Magic the Gathering online exchange. Jed McCaleb right. did. All right. <laughs> so you probably, the people that would say, well, well, why why do they have any price at all? Even if they just give out Ripple to people, right? Well, the reason is because they're in the top. It's like they're in the top three, right? So people go to CoinMarketCap and they go, oh, I'll, I'll diversify into the top three. Boom. Now you got an 18 cents Ripple. That's true. Right. Yeah. So, so it's so like a self-fulfilling prophecy. Go. And that's how that's how things like Reddit got started, right? Did how did Reddit get started? Reddit they got was started a dick because clone. <laughs> Yeah, they got started because they had a bunch of sock puppet accounts that made things like, "Oh, I don't want to eat in an empty restaurant." And so they they basically just created traffic to draw people in saying, "Oh, there's activity over there. I'll go well, over there." Well, same thing with Twitter or you yeah. know, and anyone else. So, um yeah. Yeah, so, so in order to have a successful social media you kind have of to platform, make it look at like you it's have successful. to <laughs> fake it till you make it. Exactly, hundred yeah. percent. Okay. So wow. that's that's, so that's the secret. They're, that's the secret of <laughs> they're faking it till they make it. Well, you know, yeah, n- nobody wants to nobody wants to be friends with the unpopular kid, right? <laughs> yeah, if they're if they're behind Dash, they're like, oh crap, you know, we're going under, <laughs> right? So uh, we just got done talking about. I want I want talk about uh trayvon trayvon james cool i'm a fan what's up everybody and then seatbelt for like three tries and then uh if you didn't know in the first two minutes of my videos i just like seeing people driving <laughs> <laughs> so you're you're a big fan of bitcoin car talk and i do i like i like people just driving they're just talking <laughs> and driving it's like well you know if you're if you're not doing if you're in a commute situation you might as well put out some content right <laughs> Why don't you do that? Because I, I, I don't think I'm that interesting by myself. I listen to audiobooks. Yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm busy listening to other people's podcasts when I commute. I do. I think I, I consume a lot of people's content. Yeah. I, did we talk about this before? Like, what? Who's your favorite personalities in Bitcoin? Well, I like Trayvon James because he's funny. He, 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 he seems, uh, this might be mean, but he seems pretty naive to, like, you know, cryptocurrency and stuff in general but he's very open i like that he's very open about what he's doing or at least he appears to be and he's like no shame or irony in him saying guys let's all buy you know this coin and let's just try to make it pump up so we'll get rich like he'll i'm like wow he's like real open about it like uh one, one thing that he did that was like really uh like surprised about it. he's like guys i sold all my bitcoin and i put it into steam Power it up and power it down, baby. And he's like, I'm like, man, that sounds really stupid. And then like the next day, Ripple uh, steams up a hundred percent. I'm like, what the fuck? Like, does he either does he either know something I don't, or did he help pump that a hundred percent? I don't know. It's Um, a chicken egg thing. uh, But as far as favorite personalities, you know, Chris DeRose has put out. And today, like this morning, and maybe into the afternoon, because I think uh, Bitcoin Airlog was saying, hey, we're still streaming or something. But uh, Bitcoin Uncensored, now the, just the Chris DeRose version, he's like interviewing like really interesting people. Like he, he interviewed this guy from China that was like working with like one of the big uh, like hardware manufacturers or whatever. And um, he's he just interviewed like this guy who's like Bitcoin retired, who's just like, you know, interesting. Yeah. I, I would check him out if you if you had some time. And he interviewed like this gold bug guy, and it's all and you know how Chris DeRose is like kind of 
I don't know what he is. Maybe like a centered status libertarian anarchist. He's kind of like whatever. Uh, this guy was total, you know, anarchist gold bug guy. And uh, it was just interesting hearing them talk. Um, so I would say Krista Rose is your, to answer your question about favorite personalities. Um, I like some, I would say epicenter Bitcoin is hit or miss depending on their guest. And I like, I like their guests usually more than, you know, the, the I main guys. I will say the guys at epicenter though, they're pretty sharp. They, they pick up on things. Well, I, I would say they get really good guests. I, I can, I, I compliment them on their ability to get interesting people. Um, or at least. They, they have so many people to pick from. You can kind of pick, like, uh, that interview looks interesting. They have, like, so many. Yeah. Um, They've been in it for a while. Yeah. And and you know what's funny is I always kind of, like, have, like, a love-hate with Tone Vase. And, and, like, his last couple of videos have been really, really interesting. Just listening to him talk about markets and stuff and, like, Bitcoin charts and stuff. That's actually kind of interesting. Um, markets are always fun. Yeah. And then, there, of course, there's uh, Bitcoin Car Talk. What about you? What 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 am I missing? Vortex or whatever? Like what's what's yours? No, I, I'm trying. I, I'm I really want to clear out all of my all Bitcoin, of my, my subscriptions in. Yeah, I subscribe to Bitcoin Meister and all this other stuff, right? Trayvon, Trayvon or Trayvon James. Trayvon James. I yeah. think. Uh, I subscribe to all those guys, but I kind of want to clear them all out and start fresh. Like just start with a new batch because I feel like a lot of these guys. I won't name names because I don't want to cause any problems but well shit i did <laughs> no i don't want to i'm about to say something negative i don't want to say something negative and name a name but a lot of these guys to be honest with her they're fanboys of greg maxwell and i don't like why are you a fanboy of anybody period right so well that's kind of like that's kind of like Krista rose i feel so like sometimes. this is this is why don't be a fanboy this like is if, why i keep harping on it's the same thing is Bitcoin and and all all these things, it becomes a cult of personality about exactly. people, and it, it, it's the whole thing about all this stuff is it is not about people; it's about technology. I mean, you can pick a leadership team because you think they're competent, but it's not. Oh, he said this, so obviously that's the right thing. No, that's not the way it goes. People need to think critically, and they need to evaluate the technical issues for themselves. You can't just go off the opinion, oh, I trust this person, because that, quite frankly, that's antithetical to Bitcoin. Exactly. Bitcoin's supposed to be trustless. Right. right? You're supposed to not trust anybody. <laughs> when, <So> I, <laughs> when I hear people say, oh, well, you know, you know, Greg Maxwell thinks this, therefore he's the smartest person in the world, therefore that, you know, everybody should think this, that's ridiculous. It's absolutely ridiculous. Like, use your own mind. Like, figure out things for yourself. Like, if you're, if you're going to say, well, I think we, I don't like, this I don't like Segwit, for example. I'm not saying that, but if I said I don't like Segwit, you should say I don't like Segwit because I feel this. You shouldn't say I don't like Segwit because you know because so because, and so says that because, because Roger uh, Ver says well, Roger Ver says it. <coughs> can I can I throw a counter argument at you? Yeah, and this sure. is Go ahead. what uh, like Tone Base says. I don't have the time or expertise to know the code base or to really know, so I have to trust people that you know that that are competent. Well, That's, then guess uh, what? Quote, unquote. That's okay. Just prepare yourself because if you don't know what's going on, you'll be left behind. Yeah, One of these you, days. You, you, I mean, I would argue. A, I would argue we we do that too. Maybe well, not. Chris, everybody but has we do. everybody has to defer a little bit. But the yeah. whole point is to be learning. What the second you decide to stop learning, that's it. It's over. You know, you need help to learn. You know, obviously, but you have to know what's going on. Fundamentally, if you want to stay out in front in this space, like. Because, you know, you can just buy and hold and say whatever. But, I mean, if you're actively trading 
and you're actively yeah. trying to see what the market's doing, you have to know what the fuck's actually going on. Yeah. Not just say, oh, Greg Maxwell said it's going to be you know $10,000 next year. You know, it's like... <laughs> yeah, especially if you're a trader and you've got millions of dollars possibly on the line here. Um, you know, take a Saturday... That, that, is, that is interesting. Like, the more and more money you potentially get, like, if the price goes up... You'd think like the more and more you'd want to actually learn about the technology and stuff. Yeah, and, it, like what's going, what's well, going. Well, yeah, on. but I mean, you have, I, th- you have I think people, that's natural. People parading and and actively, you know, they're they're basically you know letting people assume they know absolutely everything about how it works when they know nothing about how it actually works. Yeah, like and, you you look at these these high volume high equity, you know, these these uh, equity traders, right? They don't they don't buy a company. And just not know what they do, or not know what the you know what business they're in, and what management team they've got, and what kind of financials they've got. They they know quite a quite a bit about all that stuff, right? So, and I'm sure Tone Vase, who I'm sure he did his his research, or he had a research team, or whatever. Um, but it seems like when you get into cryptocurrency, these people are just like, oh well, that's too hard for me to to investigate this technology and how it works. I'm just going to defer to this guy Greg Maxwell, who's got his name on a bunch of bips, right? You don't, he doesn't know Greg Maxwell. First off, those, those people might not even know about pips. You're, you're giving a lot of credit to a lot of so, people. So the second somebody says, I trust X, that's it. It's game I, over. I trust Shaw 256. What do you guys say about that? Well, quantum attack, motherfucker. That's, that's okay. Well, but that's, that's Shaw 256 okay. is fine. E-D- ECDSA is not. But yeah, no, you, you can trust that until someday we exhaust the key space. You know? But yeah. <laughs> I mean... Anyways, but you, you get I, the I mean, idea. I, I, I think there's levels of trust. You, you just well, don't want to. You just don't want to go trust. full retard on trust. I well, think no, is no, what you're, you're trying you're to right, say. You're right. You're right. Right. So yeah. so so yeah. I, I don't have a full understanding of the cryptography. Definitely a lot like Greg Maxwell does as far as ADCSA curves, but uh, ECDSA curves. But you know, you you have to always be striving to figure out as much as you possibly can about the technology uh, right. if you're going to uh, invest a large amount of money in. Right. First, invest in yourself. That's that's why I really like Andreas. Is he says I'm a fanboy of that guy. To be honest with you, but don't be guy, a fanboy of anybody, Chris. That guy says like, listen, <laughs> invest in yourself first, right? Invest in can can you figure out how this thing works, and then if you in you know you do your you do your homework, and then you say, listen, I feel comfortable enough with this thing, and I'll you know, I'll go from there, right? Don't just say, well, I'm gonna I'm gonna defer. Like, that's a recipe for disaster. That's how, like, you get people like Joseph Stalin, right? They cult of personality, right? I'm going to defer my whole society over to this one guy. It's ridiculous. Don't yeah. do that. That's why we're not here because we're deferring things to people. We're here because we're not deferring things to people. Well, my, my biggest problem with this whole thing is is everybody has different incentives. Uh and that's what the great thing about Nakamoto Consensus did is it aligned the, the, the generic parties. What was that? Nakamoto Consensus? Yeah. Does that mean proof of work? What does that mean? Yeah, basically. I like that. Oh, I, yeah. I, I think I've heard that, but I've maybe first time I heard it in person or something. Well, not Nakamoto Consensus is, is basically it's using proof of work to determine what agreed reality is, basically. Everybody comes to consensus. This is the way it is in, in the the defined scope of a ledger uh but you know because that's that's the other thing and you get into the debate because people try to use nakamoto consensus to say oh well the protocol should evolve in this way because we've reached nakamoto it doesn't really exactly work that way but it's really more about the consensus on the reality of the ledger itself 
Um, but, but he did that because he was able to align incentives. And the problem with the current ecosystems is you have competing factions with different incentives. So you, you have uh, 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 one side wants tier two at any cost. Uh, you, you have another side that, that just wants, wants to be able to use the network as it has always been available to them. And, so, and uh, they, they have different incentives. I want to ask you a question about Roger Veer, speaking of this thing that you're talking about. Uh, debate, I guess you'd well, still well, call it. Well, hold on, hold on. Before you do that, you, uh, we didn't get Mike's answer to right, his right, sorry, 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 sorry. I don't know, man. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. What say, so you guys you better, you better say You better say Block Time is your favorite podcast. I do listen to Block Time. And <laughs> <laughs> um, are, you, are you a fan of Boy of Block Time, the, the people on that show? No, they suck. <laughs> um, anyway, uh, so, <laughs> so I don't listen to podcasts much. I really don't. Uh, I listen to Epicenter every now and again. A couple of things. I I almost never watched YouTube stuff. I had honestly before we interviewed him, I had no familiarity with uh, Tizen and Leon Fu. Didn't know who they were at all. Um, you know, obviously all of Andreas's talks. But I mean, my big thing that I would say is mostly what I do is read. I don't really listen to. You're, you're a redditor. Uh, yeah, I am. I'm a redditor, and you know, and I I spend all of my time reading comments and articles and these days wading through a river of bullshit uh, because it's, it's gotten really, really, really difficult to enjoy the space on both sides. Like our Bitcoin and our BTC are 90% crap these days. But, I mean, <laughs> the analogy I used once because somebody asked me, because I said, I said, oh, I, I, I hate wading through all this crap. I said, well, why, what are you doing here? And I said, mining for gold in a river full of raw sewage. <laughs> <laughs> basically i'm panning for gold <laughs> yeah. that's a you know but i mean that's that's what you gotta you, you do you still find gold in there <sighs> nuggets occasionally and i don't it's know most of it's analogy, pirate, I guess. but but yeah i mean like if you want to understand what's going on you, you have to you have to you have to dig down and you have to you know wade through the crap to determine what what actual events are actually going on that are new and important and then you take those to you know different groups like the slack group and and, and because nobody else, you know, I mean, you have to discuss these things. And I, but, I understand. There's a community that you want to be a part of, right? Yeah, but I mean, I don't like, I don't listen to, to hours of audio podcasts or watch YouTube videos because stuff like that doesn't, I don't, to me, it doesn't appeal to me because I can't, I can't discard things. That's that's why I don't listen to it. I can't. You think there's going to be a lot of crap that you're not going to be able to forget? Well, yeah, no, no, no. It's not not necessarily like I can't discard things like in my memory. It's like I, I it, if I'm reading like a comment thread or an article, I can a skim the article. Gotcha. And get a you good can speed read. You, like if if there's an hour long podcast, I, I you know I have you know I have to listen to like thirty minutes before I decide whether it's worthwhile or I, not. I got you. So like no. you know for me like I read stuff because I can go over it real quickly and be like okay that's not you worth can di- you can you know, digest like, content more quickly more more efficiently yeah and, and and so so because of that like if you know my my position is such that like I may only have twenty or thirty seconds to look and see what's going on you know so so I like they'll just look at headlines really quick and see if I can read a quick article you know and see okay skim through it. Oh my God, I had no idea that was going on. And then I just, you know, think about that later. But I mean, you cannot do that with podcast medium. So I just, no, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I, I do have to give a shout out to Jimmy Song. He's, he's one of the guys that does appear on World Crypto Network. And he is somebody who doesn't take anybody's word for things. 
Um, and he's not a fanboy of. Give me an example. Uh, well, he he'll go on there and say, "Listen, like you know, I hear you guys saying uh, how bad BU is, or how bad the other side, anything that is anti Segwit or anti Blockstream or anti Greg Maxwell, he will have a he will have a more nuanced opinion of things. So I gotta give him a shout out to that. He's he's just he's a thinker, and he'll he'll crack open the code and say, "Listen, this is not. I can do this, right? I can figure this out." So. Well, I will say too. Uh, you're talking about personalities in the space. One guy I really like is Willie Wu. Uh, he doesn't do podcasts or anything, but he just does analysis charts, graphs, stuff like that. Uh, he's really good too. What? I don't think I know who you're talking about. Uh, how do you spell that? Willie Wu. W O O. Yeah, okay. he does a lot of analysis. And to give our viewers. This, I mean, this Twitter guy, Danger Mouse. I think that's him. Yeah, that's him. It's Willie Woo. Okay, cool. I'll check this guy out. Let me follow him. All right. There you go, putting people together. <laughs> All right. Um, hey, speaking, I wanted to ask you a question. Is um, you you know how Adam Meister calls Roger Veer king of the trolls? Yeah, and he also says China coin all the time. For Bitcoin? What? No, for for the other side, for the anti Segwit side. He calls for it, the Bitcoin Unlimited split okay. fork, now, he calls it China now, coin. I guess. Why the hell does he call Roger Veer probably one of the most sincere guys, king of the trolls? I I don't know because he also says in that vein he also says that this is a bailout for Roger Ver. What are you talking bailout? What are you talking Dude, about? Dude, Roger Ver has just spent a shit ton of money trying to keep that whole thing running for the last... Right, I, but like a bailout is like where you've lost money and you're expecting other people to, there, to make you whole. There's right? like subtle things. Plan. There's subtle things like that that kind of make Adam Meister kind of like... To me, like he's... like It makes me feel like he doesn't know what he's talking about. I, or it's not even that he doesn't know what he's talking about. Like he's... Almost opinionated too much. I don't it's, know. It's the cult of personality again. Like see, he, see, he, this is he keys off people he respects, and he says, "Well, their opinion is X. Therefore, I'm going to go ahead and be an echo chamber for that." I don't. I don't say that that's bad. I'm just saying that these, when you get in the community well, where you, you have no earlier. diversity of thought, you get in this situation where you are a, you're now a world crypto network where you have to basically be on the same page as everybody, and that's how we have Republicans and see, Democrats and all this other crap. See, and this is one of the things, though, because we're getting a little kind of meta here because this is a kind of a meta conversation because we're not talking about Bitcoin. We're talking about people who talk about Bitcoin. Exactly. So so it's like um, so. So at, this, at the same time, we're kind of feeding a little bit and perpetuating this like, um, you know, I, I'd be more concerned, less concerned with what Adam Meister say and say, oh, what is an issue that was raised? You know what I mean? It's not about the who. It's about the what for me. Like yeah, and this you know, the, the, the issue is he calls thing. That's your question was that why? I mean, we're he, talking about personalities. So I, oh, I know, <laughs> I know. I'm just saying the whole thing to me is a little eh because yeah. I mean, that's why he's not one of my favorite personalities personally. But yeah. I don't. I'll still I, listen. To I subscribe to that guy's channel yeah. even though I have a. Well, more he puts out content opinion. every day, which is yeah. that's which that's is nice. that's admirable. Yeah. I mean, I'm sorry, you know. No, no that's what I'm that's saying. Very admirable. At least, at least you'll get. Bitcoin at a thousand foot view. If you at least listen to him for ten minutes every day, so right. Yeah. And um, I think uh, I would just suggest if I had a suggestion for him, maybe I should take this up directly with him. But I would just say, listen, uh, you need to have diversity of thought. That's more interesting to me than just just uh, you know just saying, well, you know, this is China coin or that's King of the Trolls or whatever, right? 
Well, getting a little off topic, but I mean, this is a common trope, a common theme. I mean, people seek opinion of those who share an opinion of theirs and reinforcers people especially these days in the environment we're in nobody seeks a dissenting opinion nobody wants to see a counter argument uh, they, they just want people to echo back to them yeah you're right i agree with you and it's it's just asinine because it leads to shit like like cnn and fox well, news well i would say i would say in our bitcoin is the opposite of that easily being manipulated no because well no the opposite of that the opposite of that is people coming together for common discourse, being courteous to one another instead of calling one another trolls or shit like that, and saying, hey, I really want to understand your point of view. You know? <laughs> That's why I mentioned Jimmy's song. I disagree with a lot of stuff he puts out. I disagree out with a lot of stuff he puts I, out. But I do, I, he will say stuff, and I'm like, oh, that's I a actually, nuance, I actually replied to opinion. his Medium article. <laughs> Yeah. He does have a nuanced opinion about things, and there's not a lot of nuance these days. No, right? there's not. And that's no. why I want to clear out all my subscriptions and figure out who in this space is actually putting out like real diversity of thought. I would say, I mean, going back to Chris Rose, he's always made me think the other side because, I mean, obviously it's he, he's he's almost like anti-Bitcoin blockchain. It's like hard to find someone that's like on the end that. Almost calls blockchain itself yeah, but completely I a, a scam. I have a question. I I don't know. What, it, it's interesting to hear his opinions. Well, I let say. me give you. Let me give yeah. you. Here, here's my question. Uh, but a little bit of background before I get to it. I only know BU like the Bitcoin uncensored thing. I only heard a a couple of their uh, podcasts that they had, and I just I just basically wrote them off as complete a holes and complete like they weren't earnest. You know, they weren't authentic. They were just trying to troll people and just you know for entertainment value only you know and they're treated people horribly right uh so i don't know what happened with the split i guess there's some kind of like they went their own ways or something like that pepe, pepe gate and I, I saw junseth on like the world crypto network because i'm a, again a subscriber to those guys i like those guys but i, I saw heard, him on I, that yeah, he, he was, told me he, he was, came off very like not professional no he was he was inauthentic yeah. and he was he was like he was very discourteous to the people he was on the panel with and that that turns me off. That's maybe just my problem. But like, if you're just courteous to the people you're with, like, why why are you even there? Like, why? I, are you I would say the the part I like about what they're doing is it's almost like you can't get that anywhere else, though. And it's true. It's and, a different thing. And um, it's different. To okay, me, I'll, I'll put it that way. It might I would not, classify it more as is is entertainment than news. Yeah. So my like, question like, was: Is Chris Rose is he taking a different? Going a different he's route. He's trying to be it? more uh, serious, more authentic, and or he's like he's going to have like multiple personalities. Or is something. he like earnest? Because I can't tell. Like if you're just sitting there defaming somebody, but you're just a troll, you're just joking around with somebody and calling them an asshole or something like that. That's fine. That's entertaining. But is he that? Is he doing that stuff now when he's inter interviewing like Mark Capellas and that kind of stuff? I think he, maybe he's toned it down a little bit, but he's not. You know. You have to remember they actually think that way. Yeah, I, I don't. I don't think they're being okay. 100 sincere. You got to okay. remember that too. I guess that's the word sincerity. So yeah. okay, but well, they do it. Sincere. They do it. They do it in a very, in my opinion, entertaining manner. They sincerely don't have any diversity of thought. Then, oh, <laughs> so. oh, no, no. The funny part is, I, I agree. The funny part is, a lot of times they say, you know. You know, we, we're we're so you know open minded to hear a better solution, and all this stuff. But at the same time, it kind of sounds like they write stuff off very quickly. 
Yeah. And that might be because they've they're longtime Bitcoiners or whatever or whatever they've heard it all, or at least they think they've heard it all. Right. I don't. I don't know. But uh, so see, it's just like the whole whatever Pepe Gate whatever. It's 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 just funny because very, they, a meme. They, they well yeah. You they, have to remember that was. <laughs> well, they call everything a scam. It, it like. <laughs> Including themselves, I guess. Well, yeah, but no. I mean, but I mean, so that was a meme. You know what that is? That's 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 Dogecoin two is what it is. Effectively, it's just another meme coin. Oh my god! So that's a third class. So, <laughs> so so okay. We have we have uh, Bitcoin clones, which I would call like cash coins, whatever. So they're monetary value. And then uh, we have the Ethereum style. I would refer those to as like app coins. So they're not made to be money. They're made to run applications with uh, effectively. And then we have meme coins, <laughs> which are. Are just Which memes. are kind of like ICO coins sometimes, too. Well, yeah. I mean, ICO coins, I'd still place into the larger app coin instance. It's almost memeable. <laughs> yeah. yeah, maybe maybe I'm just in the mode of I want, I want to learn a little bit about what I don't already know. And a lot of these these guys, they don't they don't know anything. You know, they, they just they just say, oh, I, I don't want I don't want to take the time to research this this thing. So I'll just call it a scam. So speaking about learning this is my segwit segue or segue. Uh, speaking about trying to learn things and all that, I really appreciate you helping me understand random things with Bitcoin and all that. I actually have been giving talks. So I've been giving talks um, in the Carolinas recently, North Carolina, a couple talks, uh, South Carolina, and um, constantly trying to learn more and more. The, the thing that I've most recently learned, and I, I want to explain my understanding of this, and then maybe y'all can comment. This was from earlier, but from our discussion, it seems like so. I so checkpoints. Are we ready to talk about that, or did you want to talk about? Yeah, sure. <laughs> get m maybe more on the technical side, uh, but so from our conversation, there's a couple different ideas of checkpoints, which is a little bit confusing when you talk to someone about this and blah blah blah. But so when you're running like a relay node or just a node that contains the blockchain. Um, if your node goes down and you come back online, you have a checkpoint from where you uh, were validating so you don't have to revalidate the entire blockchain. That's a type of checkpoint. So you might go back, like let's say, X amount of blocks and start validating from there so you can catch back up pretty quickly. That's one type of checkpoint. The other type of checkpoint that we talked about was we used to actually put uh, put in hard-coded checkpoints, I think with like the hash of the block header, or the, the block itself with uh, the block number. And we stopped doing that, at, I think, at block 295,000. And the reason we stopped doing that, according to Chris, or at least the theory is, is because we developed a fee market, which right. is interesting. Um, can, actually, can you talk a little bit about why now um, the idea is we use minimum difficulty and we don't you know we don't use a fee market or i don't know if you want yeah, to comment. yeah so the um or the, use checkpoints anymore yeah so the the hope uh you know before block two ninety five thousand or whatever it was was that we could perceivably get to a point where we did our oldest utxo our oldest unspent transaction output meaning that somebody sent somebody some coins in the past would would gradually increase like in block number priority right? so, yeah yeah so say like satoshi buying block number uh one right 
because block zero was a Genesis block and it didn't pay anything because there was a bug in Bitcoin. But anyway, so he re he received 50 Bitcoins as the as the in the Coinbase for block number one, right? That's a UTXO, which is still unspent, by the way. Uh, if you can look, and Craig uh, Wright will move it to prove Satoshi in that'd be awesome. Now. That'd be awesome because then we could use that'd checkpoints again, right? <laughs> so the theory is is that if you have really old UTXOs. Uh, those should have greater priority without, in the absence of a fee market, right? Those should have a greater priority because if you spend those into later blocks, you can kind of roll up the blockchain behind you, right? And so you don't have to keep a record of those old, of those old transactions because there's no UTXOs back there, right? There's, there's no transaction that could ever spend those because they don't exist back there. It doesn't make any sense. So right, so you have to see the input. So you only have to keep the inputs for coins that right. you need to see the output of. Right. Sure. So yes, it yes. was it was such that uh, you could actually have a zero you could have a zero fee transaction, no problemo. You could be top in the list with a zero fee transaction if you had an old enough UTXO because the miners are incentivized to mine that to get rid right. of that old ass UTXO. So you could have a checkpoint that is. Uh, at that point or greater, you know, as you as you move up in, and so, mine those old. So old this things. is so, uh, something that was implemented by Gavin, uh, as far as the ordering of the sets before miners ordered transactions by fees. Uh, the default ordering, because they could still change the order to be whatever they want, but the default ordering was by age. So it would take the age of the inputs and then it would uh, order right. it by that. I remember we were still talking about that in uh, mid. 2013. Yeah, and, right. and if, yeah. if you if you didn't have a fee market, if you didn't have full blocks, then that's right. fine because you just, okay, whatever we need to fill the block, we fill the block, and then leftover well, space. The th yeah, when you're not prioritized by money, you're prioritized by yes. space and efficiency, I Which guess, is cool because right. it allowed for free transactions provided by, because you know they, they would have like a stipulation, so they would have a minimum transaction fee, but like you, know, you could get around a minimum transaction fee, and it wasn't hard-coded or something, but generally accepted terms right. if you had old enough coins to spend. So how could you make a checkpoint at block 295,000 if you still have UTXOs from block one? You really can't. Well, you, you can. We, you can You can so certainly do that. However, I mean, you can. Like, it's worthless. Okay, so here's how that would work. You would create you would create a Well, you, I'm, I'm talking a, about the I'm talking about the checkpoints and the, you know, chain params CP. Right. Uh, this is yeah. how you would do that. You would you would at uh, block 295,000, you would you would gather all the UTXOs at that height. You would you would then concatenate them all together, hash that, and place the hash uh, in the Bitcoin uh, in the full node in the in memory. Typically, there's also a chain params uh, persistent database, but that's okay. So you'd have a checkpoint um, f with a hash, a 32 byte hash, um, and then what would happen is if you didn't want to retain any of those blocks that were older than uh, you know, 294,999 and below, uh, you could certainly do that. However, that you would have to have an element of trust so that the, so that the full node, other full nodes on the, on the network, the other peers would have to give you the UTXO set uh, that corresponds to the hash for that at that checkpoint. Now, uh, it's like a zero one kind of situation. If they don't give you exactly the right UTXO set, it would not hash. You no, know it's wrong, to, but you can never and, create and, the and correct this, one. And this brings us to the next point of like denial of service. With, right. Because so, if someone's giving you the wrong, you have to verify all these UTXOs before you even know they're in, uh, it's an invalid set. Right. You have to, So if someone gives you the wrong set, you could tell if it's wrong. You'd just be like, okay, well, that's wrong. I can't accept that. And if someone else gives you the, you know, they're also malicious and they give you, or they just have a bug or something, 
they give you a set and it's wrong, then you may not even get a set. Somebody's well, like, I'm not giving you the set because that's not my style, or you know, I'm that's so, not my style, bro. Yeah. So, so it also it also runs uh, the point where okay, so say you do that and you run through the entire UXTO set. So, um, so who who's who's to say that if nobody, if you're not required to keep the UXTO set, and you UTXO turn, set, you, you yeah, I'm dyslexic. Oh, sorry, that's my. I'm like, totally my dyslexic. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, UTXO set. Oh my God, I've been probably been saying that wrong for a very long time. Anyway, <laughs> the UTXO set. Sorry, if if somebody, um, yeah, if, if nobody's required to have it in this scheme, you know, if you prune every node, then you know potentially nobody could have it. I mean, you you could store. That's that's my scenario where I run into problems with this. Is yeah, you have the hash of this thing in here, but you have to store. You have to trust some third party to store the actual data right. that that hashes to that set. So if everybody, if every node were to switch to this and say every node would say, "I'm going to prune," right, and just turn the key, flip the switch, and they're going to prune, then that set you know wouldn't exist anymore in a provable fashion. It would only exist in, you know outside of it. Which means, you know, in theory, you could play all sorts of games. Well, it's highly unlikely because one of the miners would have to have it so they could mine those UTXOs, right? Well, for, for transactions of inputs, yeah. Right. So that's that's not in their best interest to do that. So they, they Well, then why don't we do that? Why don't we just, hey, prune everything? Prune all we, the nodes. Yeah, we could. But it's not that for, I'm saying for the miners, they would not do that because it's not in their best interest to do that. Yeah. Uh, you, you also talked about something interesting. Um, if I went back to block one and started to mine off that, people could reject it more quickly because of the minimum difficulty check. Yeah. And uh, the first person who brought that up to me was DeRose. I, I posted that in the Coin Dojo or s somewhere, and he uh, quickly said that. So when you're explaining it, it made a lot of sense. Uh, do that again <laughs> for, yeah, so, for our viewers. Uh, so every full node has to keep a array or a list of list of chains that are possible right so you kind of think of the blockchain as just one thing but in a sense there's not like right now if you looked at a, if you if you sort of outputted and you did like a, a c out in the in the uh, c plus plus world if you printed out the actual was that like a print f yeah it's like a print f in uh you know what in c I thought you could do printoffs in C++ as you well. You can. It's a C. Okay. Like C++ C++ is a superset of C. Anyway. I, I, I've been told that many times. So if I know C, I know C++, anyway, but I still don't believe it. Sorry, I got off topic. Yeah. The, if you print out the uh, the list of of active chains, not active chains, but if you print out the list of chains, you'll actually have you know a dozen or so of chains. That's because you have orphan blocks, right? You might have two blocks that come in almost at the same time. One gets orphaned. You keep that, right? You keep that in your list of chains. And so the theory is with this minimum difficulty is that if you get a block, it's like, it's like, you know, the difficulty um, in blinding that block was below a certain threshold. You'll just discard it from memory and you won't even keep it. Wh which, which essentially means if you're back, if you start mining back X amount of blocks, I'm not even going to look at you, essentially. Yeah, effectively, because, because, pragmatically, yeah, yeah. Yeah. So, okay. But it also plays into the game theory when, what, what happens when you have a... Uh, situation where you have a 75-25 split, right? Like, say, BU does get up to 75% and they start mining, and then you have a 25% minority chain, right? So that might play into that. I don't know what the threshold is now for the minimum difficulty because their difficulty will get reset after about uh, four weeks. Um, they're, you know, because they're going to be mining 20, they're going to have 25% of the hashing rate. Should be more. 
four four weeks? Two weeks is normal. Two weeks, but four weeks is if is you have twenty five percent, it'd take you four times as long. Oh, maybe eight weeks. Yeah, then? probably eight maybe weeks. eight weeks. Okay, yeah. so eight weeks. They're gonna have a, a difficulty three, reset, right? For like five. Yeah, and yeah, half, I get you. If they, if they they manage to mine, can I ask you a question about yeah. that difficulty reset? Yeah. Um, the difficulty reset. Is there some threshold where it can only go up or down a certain amount, or can it jump to the to the right amount of zeros needed for that nonce? Um, no, I don't, I don't can think go... there's anything. No, I was just curious. I didn't know if no, it, if it has to like somehow do intermediate stair steps or if it can. No, it, it can, can go. It can jump okay. because the tar- What you're it, setting is the target value. It, it right? takes the 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 actual hash rate over the last x. You know what? Well, it just the, it just takes the timestamps between. Uh, back 2015 blocks. Essentially, it's supposed to be 2016, but yeah. there's like the probably like some. If well, I mean that was an issue. Uh, retargeting methods was an issue with the number of alts that they changed because they implemented some things like that to do stair steps, like you're talking about, and uh, like Dash has like some sort of gravity thing for different uh, for. Yeah, Ethereum but, has something like that. Too. Yeah, but uh, as far as I've heard with Bitcoin, it's just whatever it literally was, whatever it calculates yeah. to. The directly. only independent variable is trying to target uh, 10 minutes. For block, yeah. uh, for block time. Cool. I, I I love how we have someone's. We have two people smarter than me. I, I love that. Uh, yeah, he, he um, knows way more than I do. <laughs> who? Chris. Chris. Yeah, yeah. I, I'm just, I'm saying me. I, I like being around smarter people. It's and a lot of a lot of out. this uh, comes directly from the code, the Bitcoin core code. And the reason I know it very well is because I have to implement things in other uh, alternative implementations, right? So, like in this Bitcoin thing, I don't know if you guys heard of this Bitcoin. Oh yeah, yeah, definitely. Um, I think we've talked about it on the podcast. Yeah, to be able to do yeah. that, um, that's one of the things that I would like to highlight is Jason Treisner. He started talking about this defense uh, defensive consensus system that he has, and the reason he's really bringing all this up is because he's working on Bitcoin too, and he's he's noting that. <laughs> okay, so if you've ever tried to build your own full node, you will know this very intimately. Um, you have to implement all the stupid mistakes that have ever been done in the past in Bitcoin Core, and there are plenty of them, right? And you you start implementing these things, and you're like, okay, I have to implement implement something that is clearly a mistake. And what we want to do is we want to get away from that. So we don't want we don't want to have a reference implementation anymore. And um, that's the reason I know this well is because. I have to go through, and not only do I have to implement the uh, white paper for Satoshi, but I have to implement all the retarded things that people have done over the years. And I'm like, oh, crap, I have to implement something that's just way off the wall. And so that's the sort of thing that I have to do. So uh, I want to speak about something that you might not know as much about, that I know for sure might be Casey either knows as much as me, he might even know more than me, maybe, um, which is data warehousing. Oh, yeah. So um, if you don't know, I have a strong SQL database background consultant, blah, blah, blah. Mike Casey has a very strong SQL data warehousing background with General Motors. Um, Now, the question I put on our talking points, um, and I'm pretty sure 99% of like all Bitcoiners, you know, people who are in the Bitcoin space don't know about this, which is uh, type two data warehousing databases. You can just call it, just think, uh, for the audience, it's just, just think of it type two, okay? We're going to call it type two. We, we can talk about type one as well, but anyways, Mike, my question to you is if companies knew exactly what type two databases did, 
Do you think that could replace pretty much all these private blockchains? If you had some yeah, way of, of having, if you had a, a way of doing federated rights to that uh, SQL database. Well, effectively, that's what a blockchain accomplishes. I mean, if you're talking about a truly private blockchain, yes, it I, is I, a that's, type two database. I, yeah. I, I would, I, mean, <laughs> I, I would, I would argue that companies can use a normal database if they use the type two methodology of that database. Yeah. Well, I mean, if you're talking about an actual private blockchain for all that it can do, because, and I want to talk about what type two is for well, people. Well, who don't it's, know. what's really weird. Uh, so when people talk about blockchain, they're usually not talking about blockchain. They're talking about applying blockchain technologies such as cryptographic keys and private key assignments and stuff like that. That's which you know, I mean, I, so I'm talking about functionally. What do they need? Functionally yes. for a backend, what what a private blockchain is is roughly okay. equivalent to a type two database. So, okay, cool. So we're in agreement about that. Yeah. And for the audience who doesn't know what a type two, do you know what type two is, Chris? No, I don't. Okay, okay so, so type type uh, one. I'll just say sure, sure. just briefly. You know, I don't. We may not have the same. Data, but a type one data. Let's start with type one. Sure. So a type one database is uh, you have a table of entries, and uh, you have a table. Say it's a list of of people in their birthdays, or no, sorry, people in the last day that they were. So let's say it's people in the amounts of money they have. How about that? Just that's your only two fields, right? So in a type one database, so Tidwell has zero dollars, right? Fuck. Yeah, you're brick. So now Tidwell now 21. suddenly he suddenly gets twenty one billion dollars. I like right? this. So so what you do in a type one database, which is really it's not a not a type of database, it's a type of structure within a database. Update. What what you do is you, you do an update, update, right? And you say update, you know, set set Tidwell Tidwell's balance to twenty one billion, right? But if you look at the the end result, like all you see in the database is just current. You see Most uh, the current state. You don't see yeah. any transactional history. So so essentially, actually, which is kind of funny, which is like a normal way databases are yeah. used. Uh, yeah. Right. So so if you, which is fine if everything's one hundred percent transactional and nothing ever goes wrong, then you're fine because you've just updated it and everything's correct now. But uh, the bigger thing is what if you want to see history and you want to be able to prove or guard against the fact that anything could have happened at any one time. So there was a glitch somewhere and it missed a transaction and that transaction should have posted, but it did not. So a type two database allows you to do that. Uh, because what, what, what you do is instead of having one row for Tidwell, every time Tidwell has an update, instead you do an insert. Right. And you, like, it's like a journal, right? Yeah, it's a journal exactly. entry. Yeah. So you do an insert in and you say, okay, so that, that row with Tidwell $0 is still there, right? And it has a timestamp on it. And it says Tidwell $0 as of 1-1-2017. And then so today you have today's date with a timestamp on it. And you say, oh, you know, Tidwell now his balance is $21 billion. And that's the simplest, simplest form of a type 2. You can get fancy with it, too, saying what type of change was it? Was it an insert, yeah. update, delete? You know, so that actually goes into, I think that goes into type I, 3. But uh, yeah. <laughs> the, the most important thing to note is, you know, it's possible, like what Chris said, it's possible to do journaling in a normal database. And the main methodology of implementing type two is the start and end timestamp for that record. Right, exactly, because that, that's the window. Yeah, that's where, the where, scope of the record. where where uh, my, Michael Tidwell's balance was zero from you know, I was what uh, I was born in nineteen ninety nine to twenty seventeen, and then in twenty seventeen I got twenty one billion dollars, and then that's the start, and then we 
then have the end of that one record. So, so here's where those break down in because those are the great. end, and then the end record of the newest record is either null or like year nine thousand. So, so those are great, but what 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 it really does? What a tight two database uh, does? Provenance. Well, kind of, pro- pretty not much. Provenance. Here's what it does. If you if you want to run stores the, the it stores the metadata of the transactions within the table itself within the database. So, so it's it's kind of self-referential in a way because it tells you not only what the current state is, you actually have to calculate the current state by uh, selecting a subset of relevant records. Um, but it, it, you can get the current state as of any point in time. So you can say, hey, what was everybody's balance as it, of you know, it 2000? Might be, it might be more efficient than a UTXO set. Well, yeah. But, but, but here, here's <laughs> the thing, though, um, and here's the, the, the failing of that. So the failing of that versus blockchain technology is as it's capturing metadata, it doesn't necessarily capture all metadata. So someone with uh, appropriate privileges could go in there into a, a, a database like this, a type 2 database, and they could just delete that record that says, oh, Mike Tidwell, he got an update there with his balance on uh, for $21 million, uh, and, and it would show after that process goes, you know, you, if, you didn't, if you didn't have any logging on it or anything, which, you know, why would you? It, it would show that Michael Tidwell has always had zero dollars. And, you know. Yeah, and I, and I would argue that any private blockchain that says they have immutability, I would just call them, they, they couldn't keep the same, they would have a different type of, type of immutability. They would have more like permissioned immutability so, so, versus, versus exactly. public uh, proof of work immutability. So, so, so those da- type two databases, as you point out, are immutable permissionly unless you have permissions you can't change them the same is true of private blockchains yeah, if you exactly. have permission you can mute mutate whatever the anything, hell you want anything you want to so, change i'm sorry and some people like to argue this you can change linux you can change unix timestamps you can yeah. rewrite kafka topics oh you can totally you can you know you can do whatever you want when you yeah. have all the keys to the kingdom if you have enough collusion between a federation of people that agree on what the data is you can you know, if it, if if everyone wants to change it, it can even be changed. You, you can't even if you assign, have immutability. Even if you assign individualized tokens and only recognize those token signatures, you can change the rules and and disallow that token ever from being issued anything. Now here's a better question. Now here's so. a better question. If you, what what gives better immutability, long term, is it or you know short term whatever? And j- this is a subjective question or answer. A private permissioned data store or a public blockchain? Immutability? If 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 I'm gun ho on keeping it private and secure and yada yada. Wait, 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 wait. So so you said an open blockchain. Mm-hmm. And well versus what do you, what do you mean define private? <laughs> That's, I mean, that's. There's a spectrum of you. You of can how encrypt shit and throw it on an open blockchain. That's pretty damn private. I mean, <laughs> no, I'm, well, I guess I'm just saying. Like, so I guess the real, the real question is, what's more likely, uh, malicious employees uh, coming together or um, uh, leaders in a company coming together who have like you know some kind of you know keys of the kingdom or a 51 percent attack on Bitcoin? What's more likely? Well, yeah, yeah. You're as far as immutability is concerned. Well, as far as so, so that's the whole thing. Because those, those uh, are the two things that you're worried open, about. Open public blockchains retain the value of immutability. I mean, well, with with exceptions, because like so, so type one, type two is an interesting parallel, because I would argue that Ethereum is essentially a type one, 
uh, <laughs> but by nature of it. So, so that's, with, with the checkpoint stuff? Well, yeah. Or what so, do you well, mean? The, with the states, because Ethereum, no, oh. the, nodes, the nodes only keep the current state. They don't keep the history. Inter- interesting point. So Bitcoin point. is interesting a type point. two. <laughs> Ethereum is a type one. That's yeah. actually an insult if, <laughs> well, <laughs> if, if, if anyone is nerd enough to know what we're talking about. Well, yeah, but I mean, uh, <laughs> Ethereum, all the nodes only keep the current state. That's how it works, right? So, <laughs> so, so I, so the funny part is I, I made this, I, I can't remember if it was the last podcast or me just talking to you on the side, Mike, but, uh, so did you hear my analogy of saying, uh, a private permission blockchain, there's a fine line between that and a proof of public proof of stake blockchain. No, I didn't hear that. So, so my theory is, uh, when you, when you centralize the idea of the valued token with a consensus model, like with a proof of stake uh, blockchain would do, you uh, have centralization faster than like a proof of work kind of idea, and you're you're going to lead yourself to a bunch of whales that really can control everything. And when I and when I say I, that, I've long held proof of stake as a as a path to centralization over time. Uh, and, and when you do something like that, there's not much difference between a private permission blockchain with three people or you know ten people who have permission on who can make rights to the blockchain. And a public blockchain where you have 10 people who are pretty much doing all the rights anyways. So there's a very fine line, in my opinion, between a POS uh, public blockchain and a private permission blockchain. What do you think about that? Well, as you guys were talking, it occurred to me that um, the reason, you know, Satoshi, I think, uh, went to all these things. Because these people knew all the, they knew all the pitfalls of these things, right? I mean, they, they knew about, like, databases clearly. And they knew about... The fact that we have a, a banking cartel and all this stuff, right? They knew that uh, people get together and they f- they price fix LIBOR and they do all this stuff, right? And the only reason they can do it is because they can get away with it, right? So I think um, the innovation uh, of proof of work in an open blockchain is reliant on the fact that how much security do you have and what are the parameters around uh, entry into the market, right? So you could, you could say, well, uh, you know, this one guy owns you know 56 percent of you know all the capacity so what's the difference between that and just some banking cartel get together and they're altruistically say you know we're going to have a permissioned you know blockchain that you know we can allow people entry on and that kind of thing it's i don't think there's i don't think you can draw those conclusions just yet i think the jury's still out on whether or not um the proof the way proof of work is implemented in bitcoin which um solves the you know the 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 two generals problem in general. It, it's it solves it for the for the use case of a of a cryptocurrency coin like Bitcoin. It doesn't solve it in it doesn't solve it like that's what that's a, that's the misnomer. Is it it doesn't solve it in general, right? You can, there's no proof behind it, but the implementation of Bitcoin solves it uh, for how it's working right now. That doesn't it's mean one solved use case, right? That doesn't mean in the future we're not going to see. Uh, a total collapse and a total centralization and, and just like three whales on uh, so everything. And, and and I'd like to say Mike does a good job of, you know, I, and I think this kind of is what differentiates us between some, people like Bitcoin Uncensored and their ideology that it's always going to be, or uh, I can't really speak for that because I think, I think, I don't necessarily think that's true, but I'd like to say that I'm still open to proof of stake hybrids potentially or okay. something. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, so, yeah. I'm not, so I'm not like, I think Mike, you know Michael B. Casey here and I were not sold on proof of stake because it it hasn't hasn't proven itself to even be eight years 
running solving a problem yet and i think that um i think that it's ridiculous to assume that you know you can just throw up a private blockchain that you have bank of america you have chase or whatever operating that is the same thing it's not the same so thing it's not I, even I the would, same ballpark. i would say, I would say uh, a bunch of different things so proof of stake is completely different from a private blockchain because because it's it's so easy to get into and box things into categories but like you have left and right denominations at each one of these so like you can have a public uh, so proof of stake essentially a, a private blockchain is 100 percent proof of stake effectively if it's a truly private blockchain interesting right? point i mean right uh <laughs> i guess you could you own 100 percent of the stake it's yeah. proof that's of stake. A, we have that's proof of stake now with the federal reserve i, and I, all I guess i guess you could i guess you could equate the 100 percent proof of stake being like some private key to you know some user or something right? well well i mean i mean really well, access really admin what privileges what it boils down to right. private blockchains are really more proof of authority it's yeah. I've I mean, been authorized to do you, this. You therefore, can, you can correlate. Can you can change. correlate stake to authority, though. Yeah. yeah well, yeah, yeah. If you if you have a hundred percent, that's why I say that's a hundred percent proof of stake. Basically, proof, proof same of authority. Thing. I like that. Right. Good way to put it. So, well, I've heard that before. That's not mine. But um, coined right here by Mike BK. No. You heard it here no. First, no. Guys. No. 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 Block nope. time. No, that was that's an Ethereum turn. Anyway, <laughs> so so um, anyway, uh, so so. But the difference between proof of stake on an open public network, proof of stake, I think, in theory, works fine if it's adequately decentralized. Like, if literally everybody on the planet had an equal share of whatever at the beginning outset, it would be very, very well tolerated. But the problem that I see, potentially, is that proof of stake in and of itself is a centralizing force. Uh, the more money you get, the more stake you get, the more stake you can be rewarded for staking. You know what I mean? So the more denomination you can throw up to stake. So so those who have make more than those who don't, which is a naturally centralizing force. And over time, eventually, you know, um, logic dictates that it'll just collapse into a few very small entities uh, owning the mass majority in which those entities can collude. Um, but what the, as a corollary to that, you could also say that it's very difficult to know who is who are the stakeholders right like at least with you know if you're operating a mining pool and whatnot you can that's one degree separated from that kind of thing it is one degree and you, and you can yeah. sort of like work out so like who the stakeholders are but but in proof of stake you could have like just some joe schmo guy like me just oh that guy over there he owns like 56 percent of ethereum yeah he does it's like oh i never know well that. here's the problem so you have the same problem with proof of stake that you have with proof of of mining the one um before he left the space james d'angelo was talking about trying to tackle is like in bitcoin uh the problem is uh you can never be sure who's doing the mining like uh the actual mining pool operator you know it's because it's anonymous for all we know right now, somebody already has over 51% of the hash rate and has for quite some time. Right. There's no way to tell. Um, you know, and, you know, he, he tried to propose a solution to it. I don't agree. I mean, with I mean but that's, that's, also, that's also what's good about separating the value of the coin with the ability to write new blocks. It, yeah, but yeah. But it doesn't matter because the work is the work and you can, and people. Well, right, are, right, right. So, so uh, I would, I would just say the exact same problem exists, only I would say it's probably arguably worse in proof of stake. Because in proof of stake, you know, uh, stakers are also anonymous, right? So stakers can go ahead and create as many, you know, I don't want to say Sybil nodes, like cause for a Sybil attack, as many nodes as they want to pretend as if there are other people and stake 
51% and they could, you know, it could look to the rest of the network like, yeah, it's wholly decentralized. When in fact, it's actually not. It's actually just one player holding all the cards. Um, and, and, you know, the, the problem I always had with these things in such a scenario of a 51% attack, proof of work is ridiculously, you know, there's not much you can do with a 51%. Like you can, you can effectively censor transactions. That's one thing you can do. You can effectively, you can run a couple attacks to increase your hash rate. You can do that. Um, you can't really gain 100% total control. And more importantly, you can't steal funds. You absolutely cannot steal funds. Unless it was like one block ago. Well, I mean, you know. Uh, it's, it's a lot. The, 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 your confirmations matter. So if you if you're back, well, you like, can perform like this a is double the, spend. Like this is the argument of if my if all my funds are locked away like a hundred blocks ago, and I haven't made a transaction hundred blocks, you can't steal any of my money. Well, yeah, yeah, but that's not that's not stealing money because it's remember reversing history you, of transactions. Well, you can I reverse received. a transaction, yeah. but, but but that's only a double spend because remember, unless they sent you a transaction, they yeah, can't but that's do no shit. different than stealing. No, no, no. What I'm saying is. You can't, it, you can't break the private key. It is different than stealing because all they can do is turn back the clock and make things not happen. That's a double spend versus a theft because a theft means they could take from you arbitrarily your amount versus trying to send you some and then saying, whoopsie, no, I didn't. So that's a huge distinction. I would say that's probably... S- there's subject there's there's a there's a they're subjective both, de- definition of theft. They're both theft. Yeah. One is a small problem, the other <laughs> is a large problem. Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> That's yeah. what I would say. Yeah, um, P- PKI uh can't be compromised. That would ruin everything. No, yeah, but I mean, you know, in 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 proof of stake systems, you're right. In proof of stake systems, PKI is not compromised, but yet they could rewrite history very far back. Well, you you said something I want to ask you about because maybe I have a misunderstanding, but maybe I do. Um, so <laughs> we we definitely let's, do. Chris. <laughs> let's target Ethereum for proof of stake, right? So it, say Ethereum's total proof of stake. You said earlier that um, you pretty much have a type one type of database where you have you have a snapshot of the state at any one particular moment. What I what I understood is that. If they go to full proof of stake, these stakeholders can rewrite history, which is a bad, which is a bad thing, right? Um, but you're still going to have people out there with with nodes that have the blockchain uh, in a, in their state, which uh, perceivably may or may not be rewritten uh, per the stakeholders, and they could then raise the alarm and say, "Hey, listen, like these guys are stealing from you. They have, you know, I have a blockchain here that shows that they just rewrote history." Is that not a is that not a, a thing that they could happen? Well, I mean, you see, this is where we get into the checkpointing thing, and what is because it one well, okay, so so say you control fifty one percent of the nodes and fifty one percent of the stake. At that point in time, you are the majority of the network. If fifty one percent of the network believes the valid chain is the one that's been altered, it's the truth. Yeah, it is the truth, but there will be people raising. Oh yeah, it. yeah, no, no, people will raise it. But I mean, at that point, what do you do? Because you can't. I know. I understand. I mean, it's a fork. It's a fork. The whole idea. <laughs> the whole idea with. Uh, I would say. I'm not. I'm not like teaching. No, you. I'm not saying people will be blind to the fact that yeah. they've yeah, done yeah, it. Pr- pr- I'm just saying <laughs> proof of work. You can leave and come back and have a good idea what the truth is. Well, with proof of stake, you have to leave and come back and trust that, you know, well, this type yeah, one database I mean, is in the right state. As long, honestly, <laughs> as long as it doesn't affect your funds, you're not likely to know which chain to trust. Yeah, no, you and, know, and there's people, no way to know. And I the, mean, and the, stake, <laughs> and the proof of stake, people will just say, "Well, that guy's a liar." Yeah, that guy's a liar. And if 51 percent of the network well, says, "Oh, right, well, that you, guy's full of shit," well, then well, it almost might just come down to because uh, nodes will still hard fork uh, 
back rolls of the database if or uh, of the you know almost well, yeah, almost similar to fork. not really what they did with with the DAO, but almost like not even it's very a pen close only. to what they did with the DAO. <laughs> well, no, because they did a pen change. They might do a rollback change. Yeah, even who knows? Well, yeah, you could. I mean, that's they, the they thing. might have to do a rollback change. Well, yeah, versus but, like a pen change. With well, yeah, DAO. yeah, yeah. Like, well, if but again, there's another attack. So, so hold on. <laughs> so let's just say, what if you were to pretend you have to trust a lot <laughs> that you had Wait, another you, history you, of it, you, and they changed it. You have to trust you know, a lot like, of people with this system. I think. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> it, it gets. It you gets have to, I mean, not to say you can't. You, you not to say that proof of work blockchains are completely trustless, but they're a lot more trustless. I think. Yeah, Ethereum. As far as as far as I, still have I understand, serious questions about Ethereum-based Casper. We might I mean, be wrong. We, no, no, we, we could may be very, very well. wrong about this, but. I still so so it was funny. I was talking about I can't wait to see how proof of stake is implemented on Ethereum, blah blah blah. Because then we'll really know if if a proof of stake can work. I was talking this about Tizen, and Tizen like like well, it worked with Nextcoin, and I said, well, really, Nextcoin's dead, <laughs> and and then he says, no, it's not, and I said, well, I'm waiting for you know this really popular you know platform that's you know has like a lot more hype around it to to get proof of stake to the point where uh. That, got to the point where i guess it got about i was i don't know anyways what what do y'all think about that is next did so, next do that right no, next is so small and so insignificant as there to has be never like, been a, a a major market proof of stake currency has doesn't exist yet i would safely say no hasn't hasn't happened. I, that's not I, to I would say agree it won't. i would agree it's not to say yeah. it won't i would say if anyone's going to do it ethereum has the best chance right now yeah well right now yeah, yeah. Who knows, yeah, though? It's, it's a wide-open um, world. And, and one of the things that just occurred to me is that you guys may have mentioned this, and maybe I didn't understand what you're saying, but you could have the minority... Uh, you could have a bunch of a bunch of minority people... Not minorities, but you could have people that are... Like, like black people? No, you could have a bunch of people sort of band together and say, listen, we're going to attack the network, and what we're going to do is we're going to basically change our blockchain, uh, and then we're going to say that we're going to point to the rest of the chain and say that the, they've changed out. From yeah, one that was what I was that just what you're saying? saying? Okay. Yeah, yeah. Okay, so that's, that's another attack. It's yeah, like, another attack. hey, okay, false sorry. flag block change. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know, sorry, like, sorry for repeating that, but yeah. I, it just it did well, occur no, to it's, me. It, I mean, it just occurred to me too because like, yeah. it, you know, it's another way. I mean, because it's perfectly viable because who's to say who's telling the truth in that? Right, you and really they're going to get they'll get headlines, right? Because it's salacious and whatever else, right? Well, Awesome. Awesome discussions we're Truth having. Truth is subjectivity. Um, I got one more thing on the list. Uh, we can talk about what Mike's doing, and are we? Are, did we? We kind of talked about bubble stuff. Oh, we didn't get that into it, but whatever. Did you want to talk about that? Are we in a bubble, I think Mike? We talked about bubbles, Mike. Right? Did we? T- oh. Mike, let me just ask you a quick question: Are we in a cryptocurrency bubble, and are we? In, and another question: Are we in a Bitcoin bubble? It's bubbles all the way down. Okay. Now, well. There okay. you have it. If if you now if you get into the specifics of my paper, which I'm not going to go into, give a shout out to the Medium post. So I have a Medium so people post. People at least it's, know it's uh, under Michael B. Casey. It's called uh, uh, speculative price at slash adoption, adoption theory, theory yeah. of Bitcoin or some such nonsense. Uh, and basically, it says that Bitcoin's a series of bubbles. Uh, but I mean, as to the question, are we in a bubble right now? Um, we're, we're always in a bubble of sorts, I would say with Bitcoin. Uh, but right now I would, I think 
uh, if, if I'm correct, we're, we're in a phase that I call the volatilic rise, which is the beginning of the next bubble. So it's it's starting. Uh, arguably, it started the moment we crossed the old high. Uh, like but 1300 or something. Yeah, it, but it all, it all depends on, on, on where you, where you, you, you uh, put your marks at. But um, it, it looks like we're, we're... Well, what's happening right now is we're seeing a series of increases that are, are, are happening, and then they're, they're sharp movements upward, followed by huge crashes afterward, and, and they're getting larger and larger, and they're getting more and more frequent, and they are leading to the larger bull run, which is itself a smaller bubble of the larger S-curve of, of the adoption. So these of, fractal patterns become more pronounced as we go into the next phase? Yeah, well, which is funny. Yes, they, they do. I mean, they seem, seem like they are. They're at least becoming, they're becoming more pronounced, but the the scale of them seems to be declining, at least on a, a percentage value or a dollar value. Each bubble seems, on a percentage basis, smaller than the last, uh, at least since we hit dollar parity, which was quite a while ago. But, um, but yeah, so so it looks like right now, are we in a bubble? Arguably, arguably yes, arguably no. I don't think, I think we're at the start of a bubble. And I think the bubble has a long way to go before it hits a peak. But it's definitely going to be a bubble. One thing I will say about it. I see all this time. I see people say it over and over again. I saw uh, uh, Vinny Lingam say it. And I saw people say it on the World Crypto Network show when you were on it. They say, well, we don't want Bitcoin to go up. We don't want Bitcoin to go up fast. We don't want that, right? And, and I, every time I hear that, I'm, I think to myself, who gives a crap what you want? Who cares? That's not necessarily what's going to happen. I mean, because if you really don't want it to go up, when it's going up, you need to sell. Because that'll keep it from going up. If everybody sells when it's going up, that'll keep it. Do you want to sell when it's going You don't want to sell when it's going up? Really? You don't? Because it's going up? Well, guess what's going to happen? It's going to keep going up. You know, it's like, right. Because it doesn't matter what you want. What matters is what people think is in their own best interest. So, Which you could also just abstain from buying, well, yeah, or whatever. Well, yeah, you can. Well, it depends on who you are and your circumstances. Because right. if you're a business and you need to buy, you're gonna I, buy. I like, I like but to like, buy. I like to buy while it's going up and sell while it's going down. Yeah, that that's very be, profitable. That would be good. Yes, like, <laughs> good. I guess, well, actually, uh, it depends on the stage of the bubble. No, I like, but, I like, I like, I like to but, sell near the high. Yeah, yeah, and, sell uh, near the high, and, and then, and then. Or, and then as soon as it starts going down significantly, I just sell all the way down in different amounts. That's and then, actually uh, a good good way to so make money. But yeah. we're, we're basically... <laughs> but the problem in, is you never yeah, know where the high uh, is. No, I was joking. Exactly. I'd buy at the top. No, but we're basically... Yeah, you sell, what, sell on the way down, buy on the way up. <laughs> if, I was, like, if I could summary... It depends if you start low. Anyways. Yeah. I was kind of joking, but anyways. Uh, yeah. If I could summarize what you're saying, you're saying basically you're kind of... We're in, a, we're, we're in an inverse fight club situation where he says in fight club... You know, basically, people's survival chances, yeah, you know, eventually, you know, uh, approach zero or go to zero, right? Yeah. And, and what you're saying is basically that we're in our adoption phase. We're going to the moon. And how long do you got? Because we're going to be in a series of bubbles for quite some time. Now, if you're a short-term trader and just want to cash in, cash out, cash in on these on this fractal pattern and whatnot and be that kind of a trader, that's, that's your business in... We may, but you if know, you time one of those wrong, you could lose a well, lot. Well, yeah, so right. that's and the thing. So, so, this, so is, this is the point I differentiate between the volatilic rise and the true bull run. 
because the volatilic rise, if you try to play that, if you, you, miss you can it, get totally screwed by missing it. Yeah, if you, you say, oh, it's high, it's going to drop, and you could be totally right three out of the four times, <laughs> but the four times going to kill you. You will be wrecked. So would, right? you, <laughs> so, so would you say people like Tizen and Leon Fu have like a strategy that might not work long term if uh, a bunch of things bull run or what? I don't know what their strategy is. I mean, well, okay. see, here's the thing. So, so or day traders. Let's just talk about day well, traders. Well, okay. So, so you get into things with alts. Let's talk about alts for a second because alts are, you know, they have their own bubble pattern. But the biggest things, the biggest thing about alts is right now, especially the their their pattern runs. Um, it, it's it's running alongside bitcoins. So so every time I see everybody else talk about uh, Ethereum's spectacular run that we had, to me, it just it doesn't seem like all that much. Because the only big run I saw on Ethereum, because I measure everything in BitSense, right? So I saw Ethereum was hovering around 3.5 BitSense. All of a sudden, it spiked up to 5. But that wasn't recently when it's had its huge run that everybody was so excited about. No, that was a few months back. You know, that was when the big change happened for me in Ethereum, right? Because I saw it actually it gained ground against Bitcoin. But now, the result of the current uh, well, you know, when it hit a hundred dollars, I wasn't even looking at the fiat price. It was staying relatively steadily because it's been bouncing between 0.4 and 0.6 bitcoins for the last few. Yeah, months. but a lot of people look at the USD price, obviously. Sorry, sorry. Well, bit sense. you yeah. got it. That's bit, the, I think that's the sense. that's the biggest uh, Bitcoin hipster move is to price everything in, in a Bitcoin since 2013, <laughs> baby. Since <laughs> 2013, sense, right? I've been pricing everything in Bitcoin. How many bit cents is that? Four to six bit cents in, uh, in ether has been four to six bit cents. <laughs> hey, uh, let's let's go ahead and wrap it up. Uh, you're, I want to talk about one more thing before we do. You're organizing your first meetup without me by yourself. What is the topic and what are you going to do? Are you going to film it for people? What's going on with Tab? If I can figure out the camera. No. <laughs> so Tab's the Atlanta blockchain, which is our meetup group. Uh, and so uh, I've arranged for, uh, oh, I got to say this right. Uh the Linux uh, Hyperledger project. <laughs> foundation. The, the Linux Foundation Hyperledger project. Uh, uh, it's a group from IBM is presenting on the Linux Which foundation I'm very upset I don't project. get to attend because I would love to a ask them, oh, man, almost hecklish-like questions. <laughs> you know, I mean... See, I don't think that you can say that Linux Hyperledger thing without rolling your eyes. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think you could do it. And wait a minute. Wait a minute. To be fair, uh, he didn't roll his eyes. I did not. No, I no. wasn't you facing kinda, the you camera. You kind of said it. Like I wasn't you, facing the camera. Your <laughs> voice roll. Your voice was a virtual rolling of the eyes. I was trying to get it right. What, I was. Uh, so one thing, I, I I do like what we're doing is we're giving equal opportunity to people at least saying that they're using blockchains and stuff like that, and mm. and uh and we get to explore it with uh, the speaker. So. Well, our meetup group has, yeah. has been the Atlanta blockchain. That's what you decided to name it, and actually ended not up the Atlanta really, Bitcoin. So yeah. yeah, well, so so it's 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 actually really good because it's opened us up to all sorts of different technologies, and you know we've had speakers from all sorts of different stripes, you know, come and basically tell us what their project's about. But we we you know we've been traditionally on the cryptocurrency side of everything, regardless of whatever projects we're looking at. It's always on the cryptocurrency side, or or things like you know uh, like like uh, Augur. Or stuff like that, where it's it's still similar vein, so public open stuff. So we this is the first thing that we've had that that's you know consortium or private blockchain. So it'll be nice to actually take a look at that side of the house. I know it's not what we focus on, but it, it'll it'll be good to at least, especially for our members, give them a good uh, 
good representation of what uh, Hyperledger Fabric's all about. So, uh, well, did you have anything else that you want to talk about, or uh, we'll get to fee market next time? I guess. Oh, but we it, didn't. It, we we didn't talk about fee market. We little bit. You want to talk we about? about you want to talk about that real quick? I don't know if anybody's interested in it. I'm just, interested in it. Go, damn go, it! Go ahead. I, I completely forgot you wanted to talk. Well, about I'll that. just I'll throw it out yeah. there, and if if people if it piques somebody's interest, they can they can hit me up uh, I, in the comments I, or something like that. You're such we a new comments? member of this team. I just forget what you want to talk about. Sometimes. No, I, what is I've, I haven't heard. Okay, so one of the things I like is I don't I like to talk about things that haven't been addressed. Like the bubble thing is fine, but everybody's talking about that. It's like okay, yeah. You can talk about like everybody's. Anyway, so this fee market thing. Everyone's talking about it. Everybody, when my, the price goes up, my people mother, talk about my, it. My mom's talking about okay, it. Okay, uh, when the price goes up, then all of us fanboys talk about it. When the price goes down, it's on Forbes and it's on the New York Times and everything. So, so good. That's that's a great way so. to explain it. They never talk about it going up. No. They, they do seldomly actually talk about it going up but a they lot. They damn sure talk about it they, going they, down. They make sure to cover it <laughs> if it drops twenty percent. Bitcoin dropped twenty percent overnight. Anyway, so uh, this fee market thing is is something. Okay, so what we're seeing a lot of times when we see a lot of transactions on the network is there's there's quite a few that that fall below the threshold of actually being able to be mined. So, for example, if you go to twenty one dot co, they have a fee. Uh, they have sort of have a uh, fee calculator on there. It's pretty good. It uses a Monte Carlo algorithm to calculate what your appropriate fee should be. They use a Cars engine. Yeah, it's, no, it's a city. They have gambling there. Yeah. <laughs> so, I just um, the car, Monte Carlo. So 21.co, they have a really good fee calculator, and they show the breakdown of the different buckets of, of fees. Like, So you, have, you might have 100,000 transactions waiting in the mempool, right? And you're going to have different, you're going to have uh, a distribution, right? And um, obviously the ones that uh, typically are of have a higher fee will get mined first and that kind of thing. So... Um, you know, and they give you like if you want the fastest and cheapest uh, way to get, uh, you know, into the next, you know, two or three blocks, then your fee should be I don't know, two hundred and twenty satoshis per byte or whatever. So what what I'm seeing, what I want to bring up to people is that one of the reasons, um, if you look at the fee market day by day, you 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 it, it raises a lot of questions. You're like, okay, why isn't why isn't the behavior acting like I think it's supposed to be acting? Because you saw a sort of meteoric rise from like January of 2016 to January of 2017. It wasn't crazy. Like if you look at a graph, it was very exponential, right? Um, X squared kind of thing. So, but you don't, but you don't see that happening anymore. You kind of leveled off, right? So you see exponential and then sort of leveled off. Well, why is that? And I think I think it's because a lot of older wallets sort of have a fixed a fixed um, a fee schedule. Right, they may only have a thousand satoshis for their, you know, for their transaction. Or they might have, which is way under what it should be. So, p- people end up spending uh, their Bitcoin, and it's never going to get mined, right? And they just have to wait till it comes back. But in essence, the re- the the uh, the fact that they do that is actually holding our fee market in place, right? So you have the you have an exponential rise, and then you have a leveling off. And so, what's going to happen? What I'm what I'm suggesting to people is that. Uh, going forward, this might feed into your your strategies in investing or your strategies in, in other things. Is that uh, once people change out their wallets for newer versions of the wallets, which actually have a better uh, fee calculator, better fee estimator, you're going to see a big time rise in fees again. Because uh, instead of having you know 
50% of the market having an inappropriate fee, you're going to have like 75, 80% of the market having a totally appropriate fee. And it's, you're basically going to have like what, what the problems that uh, plague English auctions, you're going to have a bidding up, a bidding war that's going to, that's going to take fees into an astronomical level. You're going to see fees in eight, eight dollars, ten dollars, fifteen dollars. Uh, that's ridiculous. You want, you want to look at the fees, uh, this chart right here? To, yeah, that's, to block, like, that's blockchain fee thing. Uh, yeah, yeah okay. this is this is called oh, wow. total transaction fees paid to miners, not including the Coinbase value of block rewards. Right. Go to go to wow. the twenty go to the twenty one page real quick if you can. That's 20, that's pretty twenty one co twenty one dot co. I I don't remember the. It's like a it's like a subdomain. I think. Yeah, but that that looked pretty uh, pretty exponential there. <laughs> right. But but the but the you're uh, talking about right here. Uh no, it's uh twenty one. Go to Google and type in twenty one dot co fee calculator or fee estimator. Oh okay, you're looking for like the actual calculator. Yeah, it shows like I a was bar trying gra- to show you the the, the graph on this, blockchain. This graph has been referenced on our Bitcoin, Bitcoin fees dot twenty one dot co. Yeah. Okay. Right. Yeah, you see all the buckets here. Yeah. The buckets are uh you know vertical there like from uh from the top you can see kind of. Scroll down a little bit. You'll see what they recommend as the fee. What, the stuff in the green? Yeah, yeah what do they say in my glasses? Uh, 240 Satoshis provided is what they recommend, Holy right? Holy shit. Which is right now? Yeah, 240. That's, that's that's over a dollar, typically. No, that's 80, wait. 80-some cents, That's maybe? almost like, no, that's almost $2, right? No, no. do a calculation. 226 bytes is a typical transaction where you have two outputs and all one right, input. Right, right. And 226 eight. bytes times yeah. 240 times 240 is... Right. And uh, 54,240 yeah. 54, Satoshi's current per price 17 is 17 mm, so almost a dollar yeah so, so right 90, 93 cents okay so take a look at that bar. Or, or is that yeah 93 yeah. almost 94 cents take a look at that bar graph that's way out of whack up there right here yeah yeah, what what okay, about it? Okay, so what I'm saying is that you that have old you have people who just are doing low priority transactions, right? Maybe well, no, no, I don't no. think so. In that's ca- what I'm he's suggesting. Saying, he's saying it's it's wallets are sh- doing shitty calculations. Well, hold on, let's, yeah, let's, exactly. Let's see what let's see what Mycelium uh, recommends right now. Yeah, but you're not a good representative. You no, you, no. He's saying he's saying what, what with low transaction, high per, priority, it, like hit the level of of yeah. Check out high priority and see what it tells yeah, you. Let's, right. So let's, uh, let's do let's let's just see what what Mycelium recommends right now versus like something like BitPay. So right now, uh, low priority is 129, which okay. would mesh with this bar graph. Okay. Um, economic is 143. Normal is uh, 195. High priority is 240. So okay. that's so mycelium. Uh, yeah, what I'm saying is that so so that meshes with this graph. The low priority. Well, that's one wallet. He's saying there's there's well, other wallets. Let's look at let's good. look at BitPay. No, no. no oh oh wait, BitPay doesn't have low priority. No, they do. They oh, do. they do. And okay. it, is, it is a bit lower than 240. What I'm saying is that a lot of people, um, especially on time-based transactions, where you're trying to get uh, your transaction through, so you can actually get. What, I wonder what Electrum's doing. I wonder what Electrum's doing. I thought I'm, I thought no, I, I, I accidentally yeah, flipped the switch. <laughs> yeah, okay. wonder what Electrum's doing. Uh, <laughs> what I'm saying is that once you get a lot of pe- a lot of these older wallets out of out of the picture, and you start getting people uh, p- properly bidding, because that graph, look how out of whack it is with I, everything I s- else. I, I, I'm not 100 percent convinced that you're right. 
Yeah, look at the actual. Uh, uh, this, these might still be low priority transactions sent on normal wallets. Right, but you got it. You get. You have to get in line to the back, right? I, I think so. people don't give a shit. I think you know well, if it takes. Well, the cost has outstripped it. You know, if if, 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 if it if it so takes like, if this never confirms, then oh shit, what happened? Oh, uh, so, so the if this example, never confirms, I can I'll just send it again with a slightly higher. So I'm not I'm not. This yeah. is no rush. The example is if I'm if I'm sending Tidwell some like then you know if it's between me and him, it's like hey, I'm going to send you some right. low pry. But I think you know, uh, but I think moving forward, we're going to have situations where people do want. Well, here's the problem: they don't want to take a week. Let's to look get at let's so, look at this chart. So this is so, the total uh, fees collected, uh-huh. and let's see it really it really uh, only. Gosh, it's interesting because there's actually I didn't realize back in 2011 there was a fee market. No, that wasn't a fee market. I mean, <laughs> I mean, what the hell was going on here? Uh, it was just a little that's, bit of that's a backlog. People, that's people cleared. actually kicking in some fees. Period. Yeah, yeah there was. They, it still would have processed anyway. They just wanted it in order so it'd be in the next block. Um, well, that's that's very interesting that that you had fees that early. But um, actually, anyways. I don't know because they were ordered by age back then, right? Well, so. this might also have been the first bull run. Oh, it definitely period. was. Like, and uh, this this looks like the the second well, or actually, you know no. Mount Gox kind of time area. Let's see, hold on. So it's reasonable to expect that more people are going to be transacting on the Bitcoin network as we move forward in time. Is God, that correct? Man, what the hell happened? If here? that's correct, then you have to then then a well, rising see, tide raises all boats, and you're going to have that even the average or low priority fee is going to go. Well, here, here's what here's what I would argue. So so I, I understand your hypothesis and your theory, and it, and it makes sense to a certain degree. But it, but here, let me uh, present an alternative. So the alternative could be that, in fact, uh, what it's doing is it's uh, it, because the fee market's so high is it's actually changing and curtailing the use cases, right? So people who would be sending, you know, high priority transactions to make it in the next block are now saying, okay, well, I'm either not going to send that transaction or I'm going to send it as a low priority transaction and, you know, I can't, you know, I'm priced out of the use case of doing an online purchase within the next 10 minutes, you know, something yeah. like that. So, so I mean, you know, that that may be very well what's happening too. Maybe they're using adequately pricing wallets, but they're just saying, "My God, do I really want to pay a freaking dollar for like a you know a thirty thirty dollar video game on Steam?" That doesn't make sense. And you are seeing that. Like, However, the the other thing is that you're gonna you're gonna see. Uh, so you we already see the average transaction uh, amount going up, right? Which yeah. is natural for what you just said. Uh, but uh, what you're also going to see is you're going to see a lot of uh, you're going to see a lot of people changing their behaviors and whatnot, and um, they're either going to be moving to altcoins or going to be moving to, you know, maybe they maybe they batch up their transactions or use a payment channel or something like that. Um, but I think the fee market has a ways to go before it sort of uh, people really start to balk. Well, like I mean, the, the, looking at that chart, it's scary because when are we expecting it to stop? I mean, <laughs> you're gonna, I, I think I, you're going to have. A I breakout. mean, until until you. Break out up, yeah, even more. Yeah, I, yeah. I agree. I think until until payment channels really kind of combat that, I think they're going to be even with payment channels. So, I think so it'll still go here up. Here is my question: with with one megabyte. Here blocks. is my question: uh, At what point is Bitcoin priced out of most use cases? I think it already is priced out of most use cases right now. It's really large transactions, or if you absolutely one hundred percent need to use it for like something. 
you know, so for, the only use case left at this like point drugs is basically store of value. Store of value. Yeah, you know, I mean, yeah. I mean, and illicit transactions. Yeah, but, illicit, but again, I would argue there's better mediums for illicit transactions. You know, <laughs> there might be, but but right now with lower fees. Right <laughs> but, now, but, right now, it's not being subsidized like the other blockchains. Uh, you can you can almost oh, you mean argue by inflation. No, almost like arguing that the. What do you mean by subsidized? Speculators. Pumping in or, or uh, miners. I would argue the exact opposite. I think. Well, it's all right, all right. So, <laughs> so think of it like this. So, if like Ethereum has cheaper transactions, but they have more data that the miners have to hold on to, or you know, nodes. No. What do you mean? Ethereum's type one. Remember, they have less data. Right. Wait, 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 not wait, right wait. now. Wait, yeah, they've always about? like their blockchain been... is larger than Bitcoin's. Oh, that's right. Sorry. Like, like, like. I don't no, no, no. What I'm trying to say is Casper. it's almost like being to... subsidized by like the speculative purposes of the coin. I don't know how to explain this. Uh, maybe maybe you know what I'm saying, though. But it's almost like it's a goodwill subsidization of like not really like the utility, but more of like the speculative uh, association to the to the blockchain, you know, where where, um, you know, these these relay nodes are, are you know, buying bigger drives, or, you know, propagating more data and stuff. To, to make those transactions cheaper, right? Yeah. Okay. So so relay nodes. Sorry, I was thinking about something. Oh, well, I, I don't know. I mean, this it's kind of a so you're talking idea, about wait, wait wait wait. You're saying alts are subsidized. Why why are you saying alts are subsidized? Because um, well, think of it like this. Why why haven't we? What what's the argument against raising the block size for Bitcoin? Uh, well, because it. The chief argument is because it makes it unaffordable to run a node. Exactly. And it leads to centralization. So, so, so if that argument is true, which let's just, for this argument's sake, let's say it is true, even though it might not be. Let's just say it is for this argument. Then that would mean that the blockchains that have bigger blocks that can do more transactions per second, if they actually start getting maxed out, then they would have, they would have their miners, you know, doing something that possibly isn't in their best interest as far as, you know, holding on to all that data, propagating all that data, validating I mean, all that just, data. Well, okay. So, so are you talking about from a standpoint of a node? Sure. Well, see, because here's the whole thing. This is my whole argument against it. Most people don't run nodes. Most people SPV wallets are fine with, right? Um, yeah, you know, there, there, there's risk involved with that because you could be civil attacked or, you know, depending... Depending on who you connect to with yours, you have to connect to a node that you trust, you know, or, you know, there's ways to mitigate that. You can set a client to configure to a random, you know, round robin cycle of nodes or whatever to see. And you can even say, hey, I'm going to configure to a bunch of different nodes to see if they match each other and cross check a couple. That, of that's how SPV works. Well, yeah, I know. But I mean, some, some wallets aren't SPV today. You know what I mean? Like, like right. mycelium runs off a static back end. So, but oh, most does people, it really? Yes, it does. Okay. <laughs> I didn't know that. Yeah, for a long time. By the way, the BitPay does too. It's running. Well, yeah, yeah. So off of uh, Bitcore or what? Yeah, it runs against a wallet server. So, so yeah, which you, but which you well, can run well, yourself. Well, are you there want any to. true SPV wallets yeah, out yeah. there? Yeah, like Electrum. Who, who, uh, well, no, I'm talking about light, light, like wallets. Uh, yeah, they're like Samurai. I think is one. Oh, of them. Samurai's true I SPV. Cool. I think so. Um, anyway, no, I'm not. A, I'm not an expert in that. Well, yeah. I mean, we need more SPV wallets, but but I would argue that the, for the vast majority of users, you don't need to run your own node. Um, and, and so, so saying that everybody has to run their own node, I, I think, no, I don't, I don't think that's necessary. Uh, no, and I'm, I'm just trying to give people some, uh, what I see is 
uh, the fee market will sort of go hyperbolic again at some point. And um, that may cut down on our, I've, I've been a big proponent of identifying use cases for Bitcoin, looking at verticals. And if you gonna, look at the chart, it's barely slowed down. <laughs> if you look at the chart, it will kind of have. Yeah, yeah. Guest 3476 says, all the new money coming in seems to be flocking to potential utility. Quality education is going to be essential for the longevity of the broad adoption of the quality. Right. Of the and which is I true. think Very I'm trying true. to say. That, um, I guess maybe that's what I was trying to say where it's almost like the, the speculative use cases yeah. and, and ideas is, I don't know. Yeah. Yeah. You know, okay, you know, I, I a lot of, a lot of these things are out of whack because of the speculative money coming in. I would say that as well. No, it's, the, it's really the, the hard. Speculation to gauge. is, is a, is a use case, a valid use case, but it's dependent on, on what people th- no. What I'm trying to say is, it's like really hard to know if like what blockchain projects are actually good and have like good utility with all the speculative money coming in and and kind of yeah. messing up. Like, yeah. okay, well, if this has a lot of like, because I think it's almost human nature to see like if this blockchain project has a lot of money coming in, it's worth a lot of money, and it's like worth you know it's going up like crazy. Then it's almost like human nature to think, well, it must have a lot of utility. Yeah, versus I think, these I think other what blockchains. I think what you're saying is there's a lot of dumb money. I mean, but the funny part is, is like all the smart money is really the dumb money almost. It's it's really hard to determine. It's really hard to differentiate between the dumb money and the smart money. And I hate when people say like, well, the smart money is going into this or the smart money is going into that. That's really, really funny. Like like Vinny Lingham, like he said right before this last pump, he said, oh, the smart money after after the whole segue debacle. The smart money left Bitcoin three days ago. Any way. It just does all this shit. Any way. Anybody who says... The smart, the smart money. money. <laughs> I, 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 I don't know. I, I've, I've heard people say, "Listen, I'm investing in, in a broad spectrum of ICOs because that's what uh, tr- traditional VCs would do. They would spread out their investments into all these companies well, that they know 90% will just be complete flops. But there, be, there might be one or two. That's, that's the that's fluffy actually, pony approach too. I know a number of people that are doing it. Fluffy. He says, I think that's he, says a valid he throws a hundred dollars into every shit coin. Is what he says. He just throws a hundred dollars into everything. That's a valid. It's a valid approach because all you need is well. That's a VC approach too. That's exactly what VCs do. Spray and pray. Spray and pray. What they do is they they gather twenty potentials that look like they're good, and then they they throw a little bit of money at each. And yeah, nineteen of them are going to fail, but one of them is going to do fifty x. VCs are doing like you know it's funny though, but like traditional VC funding was let's invest in this company. Now it's like let's invest in this pre-company and get money pre before this company produces any utility which is like the opposite of normal vc funding which is like i want to invest in this company it might not be a year or two years or whatever before i can make some of my money back it's almost like vc gambling now yeah vc's always been gambling this well, is no just, no this is a different this is like this is in this, 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 this is, is like inter- cdos <laughs> <laughs> this is the these yeah, are, but these are my my thing is that a lot of these derivatives are based on a th- they're based on Ethereum, which is not a thing anyway. It's not a proven thing anyway. So have you heard of the South Seas bubble? No, I don't think so. That was a uh, Chris Christopher Rose Indias company. Christopher Rose uh, made this analogy, and I looked up the South Seas bubble, but essentially, like back s- several hundred years ago or something, in in Europe, the Dutch East India Company, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah the South Seas Company. They called it the South Seas Bubble because uh, they, they, they opened up this company to help get rid of all like the debt in Great Britain or whatever. Uh, and then it essentially became like a Ponzi bubble scheme that like the whole like country bought into or something and that oh, they're still yeah, paying off yeah. the debt of or whatever. It was interesting. Yeah. I'm probably not doing a good job talking about it right now, but yeah. Yeah, I remember something about that with the First World War. They, they had 
uh, was it around the First World War or is it hundreds of years ago? Oh, okay, okay. It was like no, they were going to like set 1700s. trading routes. They're going to set up like trading routes to, like South America, and like that was like all the utility. It's almost oh, like okay. it's almost like if you don't think Ethereum is ever going to have utility, it's almost like the same thing where it's like we're going to be able to send ships to South America and produce all this wealth with this these trade routes and all this stuff. And then the utility was like there's like one ship that got there and then it got turned away. Yeah, <laughs> that was I, like that was like the yeah, that was like the height that. of like the actual any utility of the company. Well, that's that's what it is, <laughs> pure and spill. It's rampant speculation. I mean, and sometimes it pays off, and most of the time it doesn't. Yeah. So uh, you so, want to end it on that note? Yeah, we'll just end it on that. <laughs> end it on a down note of like. <laughs> All right, everything is crap. Have a good day. I th- I, no, I think, I'll let you. I'll let you say. What? I think you need to. You need to hire somebody like Michael B. Casey here to scout out what is crap I, and what isn't. Crap. And and you know Michael B. Casey has a consulting service. Um, <laughs> he he only charges five hundred dollars an hour. Um, I do have a private company. There will be people like that. Company. There will be people that that go out uh, and. I personally only them. charge four hundred dollars an hour. Uh, I am competing with him, so that's, that sounds like a good job for you. Like you go out to, San, you go <laughs> I, out to San Francisco proof, all the time and I, you talk to people that I, I do proof of concepts on, uh, you know, all kinds of stuff. So you know, if you want me to do a proof of concept on your blockchain idea, no problem. Um, we we need to shill more. Yeah, that's where the money is. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, need to, I need to take a page out of Vortex's book. Yeah, with just, a yeah consulting. Anyways, um, we need to do a sign out. We need to like figure out like a new outro with Chris. Yeah, we do. We don't have one. Chris, do you want to give a sign out before we end? You're still kind of new. Um, what do you What do you guys You guys say something usually like, give like a Twitter, Reddit, whatever you want. Like a, I don't know, probably not email. So yeah, why don't, why don't you don't just re- say this has been, and we'll do the same thing as the intro. <laughs> what? What? This has been a good time. No, Michael Tidwell. This has been Michael Tidwell. Yeah. Yeah. When have we ever said that? We never. That's what we're saying. We're doing it new. Michael Tidwell. This has been Michael Tidwell, Michael B. Casey, and Chris Lee Schulte. Oh, We're I, signing I, out. I see what you're doing. Yeah, that's where I was going with it. That was very confusing. <laughs> all right. <laughs> no, I want to... I mean, should, should we not give out... Just, uh, do, just do a Bugs Bunny. That's all, folks. Ebony, ebony, ebony. You know, they're not allowed to show Porky Pig anymore. Racist? No, it's it's, it's stuttering. It makes fun of stutterers. <sighs> Yeah, it's poor aggression. Yeah, I, I think I think they're giving I think they're giving equal opportunity rights to the you stutterers. Know, they 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 banished they're Speedy Gonzalez till the Mexicans made him bring him back. Oh, that's hilarious! Yeah. <laughs> that's hilarious. That's that's that cartoon's yeah. the best. Yeah. Well, although uh, Pepe Le Pew was a bit rapey. What what, a, what about uh? <laughs> you can make fun of French people. Yeah. <laughs> Alrighty. Well, yibidi yibidi yibidi. That's all, folks. Thanks for watching. Bye.